Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Let's get into this, man. It's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Let me get, put the back call out. There's going to be a big episode. Crypto, yeah. Crypto's crashing. Stock market is crashing. But EYL is thriving. Go figure. Mighty, mighty. <laughs> mighty, mighty EYL. Shout Empire. out to Atlanta. Shout out to ATL, man. Always a good time. Oh, out man. There. A legendary weekend, this one. It's always a legendary weekend. That's true. How legendary was it? Extremely. Well, extremely. I mean, extremely. <laughs> you should, I think you kind of know. <laughs> Y'all don't know who they know. I want to say it. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm not going to give any hints. Oh, baby. That's what I'm going to say, though. Yeah, man. I'm, it's always good when people get to experience some of these things that are happening, like, in real life. And, um, like, having that, that like, wait, where am I right now? How, like, what just happened? How do they know these people? How are they making this happen? And to have witnesses to see it is dope. So shout out to Ian, the master investor himself who was in the building with us in Atlanta, got up early. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, it was never again. My dad used to tell me, you can't, what do you say? You can't party with the owls and hoot with the eagles, something, I don't know. Next time I'm going to bed. Now we debunking all those myths. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, y'all can debunk. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. You have to do a laptop for me real quick. Oh man, not this this is gonna be a big one, man. We got 2,500 people and we just started. Shout out to Alex Good Energy, my brother on the check-in. He just texted me, said he's uh, he's uh he's tuned in. Alex, how you doing, man? Since his Alex is a good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely had a legendary run in ATL this weekend. I gotta start the show off by um thanking Steve Harvey for his time. Shout out to my boy Taviti. No, mm-hmm. Um, we got a chance to you know go to his estate this weekend. We actually went twice. Twice, yeah. And um it was really dope. We got a chance to do his morning radio show, which actually aired this morning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a whole different demographic than a lot of, you know, people that we might have spoken to on social media. So thankful for that. Um, and yeah, we had some, we had some good conversation with the good brother, Steve. <laughs> so I, I can't let the cat out the bag about everything, but, you know, just understand that um, relationships are very powerful and, um, you know, the best relationships are just organic. It's not about necessarily, you know, forcing the issue or, you know, doing things that, you know, might be out of character just to try to, you know, rush through. Um, That's not something that we've done with EYL. Every relationship that we've built has been organic. We've never paid to have a relationship with somebody. We've never- Say that again, please. It's all been organic. It's all been organic. We never paid to have a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it's not that I'm against that, but I don't, I just don't believe in it personally. Um, Cause I feel like once you start to pay that you go down a rabbit hole and it, you become nothing more than like kind of a, a John in a, in a way. A ticket, yeah. You become yeah, a ticket. That's funny. <laughs> no, you really do. Yeah. So it just, um, it, it, the price just changes. That's all. Yeah. So, you know, is the most, the most valuable currency is having something to offer. If you have something to offer, then you're always going to have to, you know, be in demand and you're always going to be able to establish relationships with people because now it's an equal value exchange. And um, as long as you honor your word and you have integrity, that's going to take you a long way in this world. So shout out to Steve Harvey, great, great man. 
And um, I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of stuff for him in the future. <laughs> Ian, what was your takeaway? <laughs> Quick question. Yeah. For those who, who may be watching and they hear Rashad, they heard you say that. If they think that you have to be evil, conniving, mischievous, deceptive, can you break down how those relationships are key and how being good and moral actually leads to you doing the business that we end up doing at, I mean, since you're at Steve's house and with Tabidi and everything that's to come after that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just follow the rules of um, of life. And I feel like, you know, I believe in karma. Everything that you do comes back to you. And, um, you know, some people think like business is cutthroat and you got to lie and deceive. And that is a way to actually achieve success. But I don't think that that's a way to achieve long lasting success. And even if you do, if even if you do achieve success that way, at the end of the day, you still have to live with yourself. So me personally, yeah. you know, just the way I was raised um, is different. And I feel that, you know, if I have to start compromising who I am as a person to reach success, right. then I don't need success. I can get, I, I'll become successful some other way. So that's why you never see me and Troy or any of us, like, you know what I'm saying? Be somebody that we not, we don't adapt a alternate ego or a different personality. Yeah. Or like at the end of the day, we just are who we are. And it's like, if you rock with it, then that's cool. If, if you don't rock with it, then that's cool too. But you know, I feel like too many people today with social media are pressured to try to be somebody that they're not. And they're pressured to try to get to the to the finish line very quickly. And they mm -hmm. do things and they compromise their integrity. They compromise their morals. They spend money that they don't have. They try to live a facade that's not really their life. And eventually yep. it's going to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. um, as as they, I think Jay once said, uh, fake thugs, what do you say? All fake thugs, you can only pretend for so long. Something like that. It's only so long fake thugs can pretend. It's only so long fake thugs can pretend. So yeah. it's only it's only so long that you could keep that character going. Um, so you know, it's just good when you just when you when you meet genuine people. people and Steve yeah. Harvey is definitely a genuine person and his whole yeah. team is very genuine. So I really appreciate that. And um, you know, he said on the episode that he wanted to do some stuff with us, and it looks like that's gonna happen. So yeah, shout out, shout out to the guys. Listen and, up, man. Yeah. When it hits the fan, whether it's next year, five years, ten years from now. Yeah, you're yeah. never gonna be able to say these dudes lied to you, Jack. So let's get into this because I know it's a lot to talk about. Yeah, we got a special guest, but um, uh, before I just wanted to um, you know, just let you know a few things. Um, Invest Fest, please do remember, <laughs> do remember, it it's called the biggest for a reason. Ever. August fifth through August seventh, Steve Harvey, Rick Ross, Charlemagne the God, yeah. EYL, Wall Street Trapper, Nineteen Keys, Ian Dunlap, Dan Cathy. Dan Cathy's a billionaire, by the way. He's just, a, just in case you didn't know, just in case you didn't know, no, he's a multi-billionaire, seven billion dollars, I believe. Count um, it up. Google it. Uh, him, five hundred, Milano, um, MG, the mortgage guy, Eric Thomas, is a legend. Legendary. No, Eric Thomas is ET's Yo. top motivational speaker <laughs> in the world. By the way, Aristotle Investments, Terrence J, Kenny Burns, David Shans, yeah. the Budgetista. The credit dude, yeah, Miss Diddy, Keanu Watson, Ash Cash, Anthony O'Neill, Josh Brown. We have surprises that I can't not mention <laughs> right now. Let me say this. Let me just say this. Listen, 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 boy. Go ahead. Yeah, go, go, go ahead. I want to stand up, but Rashad, go ahead. I want you to go crazy. Drink smoothie king. I will say this. You boy. sometimes it's a market employee to say, like, yo, get these tickets before the price raise. Get the VIP, get your VIP ticket if you can afford it. Get your VIP ticket. Before before we announce, get your ticket, VIP ticket. Just get with any ticket you can get before before we announce the next three 
people. It's going to sell out when, when they announce the monster that's going to be there. <laughs> telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, yeah. I'm, you, you've been warned. Um, if you think that lineup is crazy, that's it's a, going to get crazier. I just, yeah, I seen a bunch of people posting the flyer. Shout out to everybody that responded to the flyer and hit us up in the DM about the flyer. But the flyer was like, all right, this is what we're giving y'all right now, right? What's about to happen? Um, um, scary seasons. Yeah. Stay tuned alert. <laughs> scary hours. Scary hours. Um, so yeah, go to investfest.com. I pinned the link, get your tickets. And then shout out to my boy Frank Holland from CNBC. Super dope gentleman. Once again, yeah, best for us. Yeah, once again, <laughs> yes, he will be at the best fest for sure. Once again, the power of relationships. Um, I didn't say Josh Brown, he'll be at the best fest also. Shout out to him. But Shout um, to my guy. they're doing a special. So Squawk Box on CNBC this Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I need everybody, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then they're going to have the replay um, at 7 p.m. So, you know, 7 a.m. is a special day for CNBC. That is a Squawk Box hour, mm-hmm. which is one of the most popular shows on CNBC. And then 7 p.m. they're gonna they're gonna rerun it where they did a an hour long actually um special episode um focused around EYL. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I believe they got some of our friends in it as well. 19 Keys in. Um I think they made guest appearances. They was at the Roots picnic um yeah, with yeah. us. So um yeah, shout yeah. out to CNBC, yeah. shout out to Frank Holland. Everybody go watch that. Yeah, it's about on- the, the uh Financial influence and the power and impact of Juneteenth. So it's based around now. So, I mean, again, shout out to Frank and the entire team that came and recorded. It's an incredible piece. Um, we're very grateful to be picked and uh, to be a part of it, man. It was, it was definitely one of those ones. High level conversation for sure. High level conversation and um, yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, and once again, shout out to CNBC. Friday at seven a.m. It's Friday at seven p.m. And the last thing I'll say before we start the show, uh, Pinky, Pinky Cole. Shout out to Pinky legendary entrepreneur from slutty vegan congratulations she just got a sneaker deal with steve madden which is extremely dope for entrepreneur she just raised 25 million dollars on our seed a round and got her company valued at a hundred million dollar valuation she has plans of opening 60 locations over the course of the next few years Mm -hmm. all across america um She's killing the game. Slutty Vegan. If you're in Atlanta, you know about Slutty Vegan. If you don't know about Slutty Vegan, you will know about Slutty Vegan very soon. That episode, that's the next episode, EYL. That is, once again, a Pulitzer Prize-worthy episode. It's up there with the Steve Harvey episode. We Mm -hmm. got everything from information, laughs, crying. Emotion. The first person to actually break down and start crying on Earn Your Leisure. This is a a tearjerker. This is a motivational one. This is an educational one. This is this is one of the ones. She's one of the ones. She's one of the ones. She's one of the ones, man. So that comes out tomorrow (laughs) at eight o'clock. And the food's incredible too. Shout out to Pinky, man. It's dope to see entrepreneurs do their thing. And she's one of the ones, man. She's one of the ones. The food is incredible. We pulled up to the Slutty Vegan uh, location in Edgewood. That was dope. They had aggravation to launch the sneakers. Um, her passion is just unmatched. Her brilliance is unmatched. Um, and, and y'all in for a treat. Like you said, this is one of them award-winning episodes and I was just happy to be a part of it, man. So shout out to her and shout out to her team. Incredible, incredible story. And congratulations to her and uh, her partner. They are, uh, you know, they're expecting. So shout out to her. Yeah, congratulations. That's incredible. 
Troy, uh, you want to get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how this works, man. Red Panda Family Earners, we want to let you know about a great choice if you're looking to bank or invest. Ally is a leading digital financial service company with passionate customer service, innovative financial solutions, and our relentlessly focus on doing it right for both customers and communities. Get with Ally so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter most to you. For everything we need, we're all better off with an Ally. Shout out to them. Uh, and you know how this works. Here's a disclaimer. Do your own research. Mm-hmm. Thing to share it, but do it. All right. So our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important you do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Ian, the floor is yours for any announcements that you would like to make. I appreciate it. Um, Stock Club family, the Stock Club call will be at 930. We'll be on for like 20 minutes. Um, I'll do the the rollout officially next week. I want to get our guest on. But um, I want to say thank you to Alex and Weezy for partnering with me on the opening of WTF Media Studios in LA. Congratulations. Congrats on that. Congrats on that. Thank you, brother. I I appreciate y'all. The episode with Joe Button on Patreon is live now. Some legendary conversations. And uh, July 30th, that's the date, right, for, for the party? Uh, Red Panda family uh, for my birthday. <laughs> uh, yacht party in Miami. Troy Rashad. I already hope know, y'all bro. can make it. Yeah, <laughs> come on. So we're going to celebrate. It's first come, first serve. 400 people, friends, family, uh, everybody who's been a Red Panda, earners. I 400, love people, 400 people on a yacht? That's a big yacht. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. The biggest. Like a <laughs> Dynasty, no, not Ming Bashan, Dame Kareem. It's called a ship. Boy, they, hey, I just, I just need. We need about. You guys are gonna stay afloat if you listen. We need about fifteen slots for the EYO uh, congregation. Yeah, you know how That's we move in. <laughs> the number really thirty. Smalls, come on. Trap, trap, going to fifteen. Yeah, so it's gonna yeah. be legendary. I appreciate y'all, and once again, thank y'all for the partnership. Had a great time kicking with Steve. Shout out to uh, Deshaun. Uh, my, my amazing director, my guy P. P, I appreciate you, uh, who's in Dream Team with me. We're gonna have a blast. Shout Red Panda P. family. Shout, shout, out to P. P. shout out to P and Dom. Dom, what's good, man? P and Dom, <laughs> they, they, they're, like, they're, like a, they're like a rap group. P and Dom, Boy. they should be like Styles and Kiss, Kiss and Styles. 
peeing dumb. They move more units though. No slight, no slight to the Kings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah. slight to the Kings. Yeah, Styles, yeah, I don't want no problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> Styles get busy. Yo, dog, I heard. I, I heard no what problems. you said. I, no I love you. <laughs> Stop playing with his name. All right, <laughs> so let's let's get into this because we do have a guest that we're gonna bring on in a few minutes. Um, so I'm not even gonna waste any time. <laughs> We're gonna talk about crypto, but let's talk about stocks for a little bit before we talk about crypto. The Dow Jones down 876 points today. Um, so it re-entered the Dow Jones and the S&P re-entered um, bear market territory. And once again, for anybody that's not familiar with bear market, is that is 20% um, off of a high for uh -huh. stocks. Mm -hmm. The NASDAQ was already in a bear market. Yeah. Um, the NASDAQ was down 530 points today. Yeah. So you want me to run the numbers? So we got the Dow. It was down 17% uh, from its high. The S&P, which is in a bear market, was down 21% from its high. And the NASDAQ is down 33% from its November high. So, yeah. yeah. They're, all, they're all close to 52-week um, lows. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So that's that. So a general question is, um, what, is, what, is, what, is the, what are the thoughts of the market right now. The number one question is people, you know, are concerned how long will this last? How how long will it last and how far will it go down? Those are the two questions. How long will it last? Uh, how far will it go down? Um, I think the Dow could get down to 29,111. Um, that would be a good buying area. We are in a recession, whether they admit it or not. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's scary. But I'm telling you right now, the market is resetting to the levels where it should be. If you are a new investor and you're getting, your account is getting destroyed, you don't have to sell off everything, but you can either open a new account and start with better entries or average in. But when I was telling you guys 2020 and 2021, I'm not going to yell or stand up. Kudos and congrats to your amazing parents on the anniversary. But to your mom, I won't yell tonight. <laughs> right? Um, we are just now operating in the levels in which we should be. So remember in 2020, when I used to say, Hey, imagine if we had a player, Jeremy Lin, I love you. But if Jeremy Lin comes out tomorrow and scores 30 points a game, no one's going to pay him $55 million a year to play for the Lakers. That was a blip in the system. Quantitative easing caused a rush up. And I also told you guys, they were allowing people to get money last year to prepare for this upcoming crash. If your account is down, I know it's not fun. You still have to hold everything for 10 years. For my Bitcoin lovers, I told you 20,000 was coming. Hold for 10 years. If you truly believe in Ethereum, hold for 10 years. I need everybody in chat to put hold for 10 years. The only people who are panicking right now are the ones who have not been invested for five years or they bought at bad prices. It's gonna be okay. We're just going back to the normal levels of where we should be. And let me add this too, for historical um, reference. And obviously, you know, nothing is guaranteed, but history is a good way to kind of have a good indication of what will happen in the future. Um, on average, bear markets have taken 13 months um, from peak to, to get through mm -hmm. and um, 27 months to get back to break even on average since World War II. So I say that to say, of course, we were all like, for, you know, as soon as we hit the bear market, then the market just snaps back and it's all going to be, you know, good again. Um, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that this, that this bear market could, could last well into 2023 for a variety of different reasons. But for the number one reason is that inflation 
is at a 40 year high. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the problem with inflation being at a 41 year high in the, in the market is that it's a recipe for disaster because, um, you can't pump money into the market. You can't push money into the economy anymore mm -hmm. as they did the last two times, the last two times in 2007 and at the beginning of Corona, um, mm -hmm as Ian had referenced quantitative easing and they pushed so much money into the market and, and that kind of, you know, artificially inflated stocks and in the economy as a whole, but they don't really have the luxury of doing that right now, because if, if they did that, then it would just, it would just completely spot, uh, spiral the economy and inflation would just be at mm -hmm. like 20%. It'd be like a third world country in no time. So they can't, they can't do that. And not only can they not put money into the economy at that rapid rate, but they also are going to have to raise interest rates, which mm -hmm. they already are raising interest rates. Mm -hmm. MG, the mortgage guy, had referenced that 30-year fixed mortgages is at 6% on average nationwide right now. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So uh, and it'll probably go up a few more times um, over the next six months. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long haul. We did do a whole YouTube episode about um, how to short stocks. Yep. So, but you know, in the meantime, you have to pick your stocks that you, that you're interested in mm -hmm. and you have to, um, you know, dollar cost average is, is always a good strategy for investing. We've talked about that so many different times. Um, and you have to, you have to uh, pick a, a price point that you feel comfortable putting money into it. Which um, we get for free. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's my, that's my take on, you know, the time frame of, of it. Now, the next thing I'll give my two cents on how far it can go down. I think we still have room for it to go down further. Mm -hmm. um, I think all three indexes, but, you know, we'll talk about the S&P and, and the NASDAQ because those are the ones that's the most important. The Dow Jones is not really as important mm -hmm. as the S&P because the S&P is more broad range. Mm -hmm. So we're down 21% in the S&P right now. So that's just barely... Barely scratching the surface. Bear market. Just touch it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we can definitely get to a 30% decline in the S&P 500. And NASDAQ is at 32%. I think we can definitely see 40% drop. Um, that's only 8% more. I think we can definitely get to 40. Yeah. Who in here would be elated if a house that you want went on sale for 32 or 40%? <laughs> now I have to come back and remind you, even though you may not like delivery. I'm not going to yell. Shout out to Smoothie King. Um, there will be no pineapple or leather jacket vibes tonight. I'm standing Zen, pure cotton vibes, right? But if you were buying too high, and it's the truth, a lot of you wanted easy gains and thought because of quantitative easing, trading and investment was going to be easy forever. Great. That was Little League Baseball in 2020, right? Now, the people who, now, and shout out to you, those of you that have been disciplined and didn't jump in every crypto and didn't jump in every stock buy the highest quality companies. And I'll say this too, in 2007 and 2008, there were some companies that fell apart or went out of business. Countrywide was an example. And there was a changing of the guard where like Adobe, Cisco was not as popular. Facebook um, and other tech companies, LinkedIn became more popular. We will have a similar <coughs> changing of the guard. In two or three years, we're gonna see a lot of Web3 companies um, become dominant forces. I wanna be on record right now. Facebook has five years before it's over with. Mike clipped that up, Nikki clipped that up. Uh -oh. You guys can keep arguing, but those stats. Oh, 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 I told you that when we was in Vegas and then Cheryl resigned. For those of you who don't know, Cheryl is probably the third or fourth most important person in corporate America. She left Facebook, for what reason? How many CEOs or top executives in the C-suite have resigned in the last year and a half? We're over the number I said we needed to be. 
to signal that there's a recession. Yeah. Changing of the guard is coming. Here's the good news. Let me just say something. Here's the good news, though. Okay. Here's the good news. Um, usually, once again, going back to historical data, uh, stocks fall 36% during bear markets, which is right at my number of, I think the S&P can go to 30 or even a little bit lower and the NASDAQ can go to probably 40. That would probably average out around 36% for the total market. Um, but during bear markets, it usually goes up 111%. So mm-hmm. what you have, what you have an opportunity to do, and, and if you study history, um, cause you know, obviously I was a financial advisor for anybody that didn't know when I first came in, I came in in 2007. So I actually came in during the great recession, which was the mm-hmm. biggest recession since the great depression. Um, right after that was the stock market was up like 40%. So stocks usually have their biggest increase after their greatest drop. So I say that to say, if you have patience and you have capital, um, the next year might be painful, mm-hmm. but you'll have an opportunity to make money. You have an opportunity to, to make yeah. money. And historically speaking, probably in a short period of time, you'll have, you'll have a, a upswing. Um, depending on you know what you invest in, obviously. Yeah. But in the meantime, you're gonna have pain, and that's something that you just have to you know take into consideration. But definitely, from historical data, this is not the time to just cash out all of your investments. This is mm-hmm. not the time to just say investing is not for me. This is the time to further educate yourself because during these times, historically, the stock market has always rebounded. And it has rebounded its biggest gains after yeah. the deepest declines. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's where I was going with it because I had a, a phone call today. I mentioned it to you. And that was a conversation. It was like, how patient can you be, right? We can say it over and over again. The market pays those who are patient. But until you've actually experienced having oh, to be patient, different. you can't really understand it. And we met, I mentioned this earlier as well. It was like, look, there's, there's peaks and valleys, right? But when you make it to the peak, there's nowhere to climb. And so what do you learn from there? You don't know, you don't really learn much. It's the valleys that you have to get back to so you can actually learn, is this gonna be my new market? Right now we're in a valley. So this journey is gonna be a new one for a lot of people. They've never experienced anything like this. What are you gonna learn from this is what I really want you to focus on, right? Am I gonna now open like a new account and get better entry points? This is a part of the conversation I was having. You know, the the young lady I was talking to was invested in a company that she's working at. She's like, I think I wanna sell everything. I'm like, are you gonna leave the company? No, then why are you gonna sell off the stock? you believe it enough to be employed by them. And so it was like, look, you're gonna have to learn patience. And I wanna to touch on like just two things really quickly because like today, obviously we saw the, the Dow fall down 876 points. And so the kind of the why, let's get into the why. So obviously if, if you've been following uh, what's gonna be happening this week with the with General, uh, Fed Chair uh, Powell coming in, they said that they were gonna raise interest rates by 50 basis points uh-huh. based on the inflation numbers of last week it looks like they might do more than that. It might be 75 basis points, which people weren't expecting. Why do they think that? Well, they thought that inflation was tapering, right? They looked at February and March of CPI, April, and they said, all right, well, it might, it might've hit its high. Well, then when you looked at the main numbers and it didn't, it actually went higher and it rose to, like we said, the highest point in 40 years or 42 years. And so a lot of people, like I'll get that DM, like what does that have to do with inflation and raising the interest rates? So I was like, wait, let me just find something that would be, as civil as possible to explain this to, to our audience. And so uh, I was reading the New York Times, Kathy Jones, the chief fixed income strategist from Charles Schwab Center of Financial Research. I think she put it really brilliantly. She said, by raising rates, the Fed is trying to make you slow down your spending. All right, so uh-huh. keep that in mind. They're trying to make you slow down. 
That happens when the cost of money goes up for a car loan, a mortgage, or, or something else you want to spend your money on. At some point, you're going to have to pull back. The higher the cost of money reduces your purchasing power, right? What you can buy or what you can afford. And it's fed, it, the Fed is effectively making you buy less, right? So when they, you buy less, inflation slows down. What happens, though, if you keep buying less, then you can have an economic downturn. And in economic downturns, people lose their jobs, people lose their homes. Uh -huh. which is when happens when you hear that R word and now we're in a recession, right? We see unemployment, unemployment rates go higher. And so they got to be very, very careful about how high they're raising, right? If they're saying they're going to raise it 75 basis points this week and they're saying they're going to have another 75 in July and they uh -huh. said they're going to be another 75 in September, right? People are not going to be able to afford after a while. And so they got to be very careful. So you hear this word soft landing a lot when you, like if you watch some of these shows, the soft landing, where's the soft landing? No That's what, there is no soft landing. And so we got to be very mindful. So one of the, the key things I was saying when I was having the conversation was like, do you have cash on reserve? Keep it there. If you want to invest and find some good spots, start very small, right? Uh -huh. If you believed in a company like Amazon, it's $100. Do you have $100 to spend on a share of Amazon right now? If you don't, think about where you're spending your money, right? Are you going out to eat every week? Are you Uber Eats? Your Uber Eats bill is probably more this week than one, share than one share of Amazon. It's probably more than one share of Apple. But if you did that on a compounded interest, or if you did that in a compounded way where you're doing one share a week, by the end of the month, you got four. Like we just said, these statistics don't lie. We know that the market is going to go up 77% of the time, the market will increase in value. So you just got to pick your spots. The market will pay those who are patient. And so you got to yep. figure in this value right now, who you're going to be, what type of investor you're going to be, and what you're willing to sacrifice to make sure that you have long-term positions. And so when we talk about hold for five years, hold for 10 years, it's not a joke. It's not a game. Uh -huh. I'm not trying to tell you to be a trader. I'm trying to tell you to be an investor because that's where the money is. That's where our money so, is. That's yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this to wrap up too. If you guys are not holding for long-term, you are asking to be destitute. There's no other way around it. <coughs> Every business that and once again, don't listen to me. Listen to the top five countries, top five families, top five businesses. I said it when I was on Joe's show. You don't see Lucian Grange signing Drake to a one-year deal. Continue to add to the companies. And I'll say this too. If you want to be rich, go watch every other episode of Market Mondays. Don't take this for granted. Because one day Steve may say, hey, I got another show idea. Then what? We'll be here. Market Mondays is the fund. If I've made you money, please put yes in chat. But let's be honest, a lot of you are getting your asses kicked in this recession because you have not followed the plan and stuck with the plan. And shout out to everybody in, uh, who went to InvestFest who got the targets for how to short. And for those of you that are making 50000 60000 20000 in a down market to offset those losses, I'm proud of you. And Stop deviating. If I made you money, put yes in chat. Please. Please do. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, you want to bring our guest on now? I just want I have one more question, but we can save yeah. it until after. Let's do the, uh, the, the top 10. Well, what oh, I, oh, I want to what I, all right. Yeah, the doubt. I yeah. wanted to, all right. Yes. So <laughs> let's do this before we bring our guest on. Because um, this is, this is, this is, we call Market Mondays the big show for a reason. And um, it's, it's, it's no surprise that uh, it is 9,500 people on. Let's get to 10. Already. Um, I have 10. a feeling Shout that Shout out to Ray Panda. Shout out to Ernest. What's the, what's the record? 10,000. 13. I can go 13, get that jacket 13, real quick. 13, 13, 13, 13 yeah. That boy do numbers. Hey. <laughs> 13. 
13,000. All right. Well, we, we, um, yeah, we, I think we might, we might break that record. Um, so I want to give as much information as possible. Dow Jones 30, Dow 30. Um, what are, all right. What are some of the top companies to invest in, in the Dow 30 for long-term investing outside of Apple and Microsoft? Because that's the obvious. That's the obvious. I'll get, I'm gonna get mine. And it's probably, I should have invested in it a long time ago. Uh, because I already sp I spoke about what it meant to me when my mom made me an authorized user, but American Express is, is probably going to be one of mine. Amex. Yeah, Amex. Interesting. Yeah, well, and, and you know why? You think about it, think about when we talk about rather than being a consumer, being an investor, right? When we travel, what do we use? We use Amex. And what type of travel do we fly on? Um, Delta. <laughs> well, not the, the business class, right? First class. Exactly. Please. All right. And so we're seeing a return to that, right? When every time when we go, it's like, yo, there's, there's like one first class ticket left. So we're starting to see that that's going to happen within the next two to three years, there'll be a return to that, right? Oh. They've actually uh, been innovative. They just created a card that gives you awards in crypto, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit. And so that's impressive. The other thing that I really like is the global expansion. And I talked about it maybe two years ago when they were looking at the world's economy and they said, what, well, we're not in China yet. Like this is one of the, the largest spending countries on the planet. They're now in China and we saw the stock grow from $99 to 147, but they did something very important last week. They made their first investment in an African startup. Mm. And so when we talk about global expansion, obviously we already know what the US spending looks like. They're in China and they're making their rounds into Africa. And we spoke about the importance of that continent for the next 20, 30, 50 years. To make their first uh, investment in a startup tells you that they, there's something there. There's obviously talent there. And now they're putting the money behind the talent. So I'm going to put American Express on, on the top of my list in the Dow 30. I love it. Shaw, what about you? <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say. You got, what you got? Uh, you you, know you say, can say Apple, Microsoft. I, well, yeah, that's, I, you know, those are the two. I was trying to get something a little. But different. You know, I, I'm gonna so, go, so, go Google and Amazon for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, for me, if you guys want an additional one, I like Amgen. I, I'll go through the Dow really quick. Yeah. If I can, yeah, and tell you which ones I don't like right now. I wouldn't touch Nike as a primary. So this is like if you guys are trying to build a core four holding. Um, so Amgen, I like Apple, I like Boeing, don't touch Caterpillar. Okay. Cisco. Okay. Chevron. Okay. Goldman. Okay. Home Depot. Okay. I like Honeywell. Ticker HON. IBM would not touch. McDonald's. I like JP Morgan. Okay. I wouldn't make it a primary. It would be a secondary. Microsoft. Absolutely love. Salesforce. I like Visa. And let me look at Walmart real quick. I, I thought about Salesforce and I still love it. I'm still invested. But I just couldn't do it as in my Salesforce will, will, won't will be a primary. Yeah, it won't, it's not. No. And I had Nike in there as well um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> JP Morgan Chase is a company that we spoke about a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. With JP Morgan, how do you feel about Chase with all of this? I won't, I won't make it a primary. I love them. I, I'll be there on the, on the 25th in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I tell you guys, like, regardless if a business is doing business with us or not, I'm going to be honest. And honestly, I know you guys want deviation. It doesn't pay to deviate. The person that can stick to a plan. I, can I be honest with entrepreneurs and investors? And we were talking about this earlier. Most people are not having the success that they want because people are not sticking to a plan. You're late. You're not investing. 
you sell when the market is tumbling down when you should be buying the market goes up you're like it went up too much i'm not, not going to buy i'm gonna wait three more months mm -hmm. then we go sideways then you don't buy then we tank back down still don't buy please put in chat i will follow a plan for the next 30 years and if you're african-american Inflation went up 8% in one month. This is why you must invest. Your job is not going to give you an 8% annual raise, let alone monthly. Once again, you have to have the top companies in the world working for you on your behalf. And if you think inflation is going to stop here, we haven't even hit the big recession. Don't listen to me. When Michael Burry calls it, it'll happen a year and a half to two years later. When that student loan bubble pops, it is going to be like when Thanos snapped his fingers in the first one and it was game over. Mm. Yeah. Game set match. Yeah, can, said, I, can I um can I make a correction? Yeah. Um, just let me say real quick the, the student loan thing. They said that they're going to make a decision. Well, the administration by the end of the summer, which is very fitting because the midterm elections will be happening. In a decision October. on what? Um, I think on maybe some type of loan forgiveness up to ten thousand dollars or something like that. We'll see. Breaking news: They won't do it. Breaking news <laughs> alert. But Breaking that's news. like like when a guy keeps saying, "Baby, man, just sex one more time." I swear, next time, baby, I'm gonna give you a ring, and a ring never come. They are not going, if I am owed trillions from students, not me, not the Red Panda Rebellion, not EYL, but hypothetically, if I'm some evil capitalist and you cannot discharge that bankruptcy, why would I give you loan forgiveness? It won't happen. It's not going to happen. And 10,000 won't make a debt, a dent in, in the impact of that loan yeah. anyway. Before we bring on a guest, uh, correction, I read, I read the show notes wrong. I met, I thought it was uh, 500, but we're talking about the Dow 30. Um, so yeah, neither one of those companies are actually in the Dow 30, but I do like, um, Disney long-term. Um, I think that, that, that long-term you can't really go against Disney. Um, we also was at a sneaker convention this, this week. And, oh, that's a fact. And, uh, shout out to sneaker exit. Yes. And, um, you know, obviously Amazon, I mean, uh, Microsoft and Apple, obviously that's the forerunners, but some alternatives you had spoke about Nike and their cultural influence is so strong to see mm -hmm. 1500 people spending thousands of dollars. Like they was coming with wagons, literally yeah. it was a sneaker. So they was like buying all of these retro sneakers and Jordans and all this. So to see them spend thousands of dollars on sneakers um, in a recession in an economic downturn was actually you know, very impressive. And if you remember, even during Corona, um, people were still buying sneakers. We did a whole episode about the sneaker market. We did mm -hmm. a shout out to uh, my boy. Former Simpson. Former Simpson. Um, we did a whole episode about sneakers and it's actually a billion dollar business, uh, multi-billion dollar business. And Nike transcends sneakers. Mm -hmm. Their lifestyle apparel, mm -hmm. um, their lifestyle brand, and they're, they're an American staple at this point. So I think long-term Nike, is a viable company. Yeah, global stable. The impact in China is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. They're I mean, gonna continue to, to have a monopoly. Yeah. We had that conversation with Kyrie. Remember we were talking about the impact of athletes going to China and what it meant, right? And he was just like, yo, there was a dip. We saw it when, when Kobe went to China and when LeBron went to China, what yeah. that meant. And then we saw Adidas athletes starting to go to China. And we were talking about that with shout out to Antoine Walker. We were talking shout about- Antoine <laughs> Shout out to him. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about when, when when they first signed out of their rookie, that legendary 96 class, him, Kobe, Tim Duncan, uh, T-Mac, first place they said that y'all have to go. Y'all gotta go to China, yeah. right? You got a billion people. That means that you could have it. If you get 10% of that, 
right? Yeah. You got a hundred million customers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's bring let's bring our pristine guest on. So uh, yes, let's let's make this happen. The moment you've all been waiting for. Ten thousand people on YouTube. Uh let's hit go. the hit the like button and share. Let's get this up to thirteen thousand, and then we will be doing some cash out giveaways. What's going on? My guy? What's up, my brother? What's up? Here, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Excited to be on. And uh, you know, as somebody that creates a lot of content, I don't have the opportunity to watch a lot of content. We we work, uh, you know, nine to six here, pretty much every single day. And I guess I'm super impressed with uh, your your message, everything you guys are talking about. I think your audience is super lucky to to have all you guys. You're talking about a lot of the things that really land home with me. You're talking about authenticity, talking about long-term plans. You know, we've got five philosophies here at BitBoy Crypto. We try to, you know, drive home with our audience, uh, you know, have a long-term mindset, understand uh, market patterns, balance portfolio, become an expert, and then, you know, navigate crypto safely because we got a lot of scams out here. But uh, I really reverberate with a lot of your messages. And, um, you know, I'm in Atlanta, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys know that. I'm, yeah, I'm out, well, I'm in Cobb County, so we got a 40,000 square foot studio up here. Yeah. And uh, definitely have to check out uh, InvestFest. Uh, maybe I go do a talk or something. I'd love to be a part of that also. Yeah, man, Especially because Rick Ross called me out on a video one time. <laughs> that's funny. You've made it. Yeah, that's it, man. You know? Uh, yeah. nah, definitely, definitely got to get you on InvestFest. But let me give the proper introduction for anybody that might not know. Ben Armstrong, BitBoy Crypto. Um, huge following online. I believe over 1.4 million followers on his YouTube channel. Um, I believe almost a half a million followers on Instagram. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, puts out a lot of content, but what I like is it's educational content. A lot of people just put out content just for shock value. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, going through your stuff and it was, it, it's entertaining, but it's also educational. And that's something that we try to combine with edutainment, a mix of education and entertainment. So um, I felt like this was just like a perfect day for to have yeah. this conversation because obviously, you know, not only is the stock market falling, but cryptocurrency. Oh man, two hundred billion dollars wiped out um, over the over the weekend. Mm. Bitcoin, uh, twenty three thousand, uh, dropped seventeen percent. Ethereum is at twelve hundred. Mm -hmm. Binance halted uh, for a little bit today. So it's so much stuff to talk yeah. about. So, um, but first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. And um, you know, I know it. Like the timing, we we planned this a couple weeks ago. So kind of how I ended up here is uh, some people came in my chat and they kept saying, did you see this EYL video about uh, Ethereum? And I was like, I, I don't even know. I, I didn't know who you guys were at the time. And uh, so I did some research. I dug up the video and I watched it. And, um, you know, of course, you know, Ian had some, uh, you know, really interesting comments on Ethereum and, and stuff like that. And, you know, just through the magic of Twitter, we got connected. So I'm really happy yeah. to be here. I, I love, uh, love what you guys do here and uh, excited to break down what can kind of be a scary time for people right now. Absolutely. And I've said it privately, but I want to say it publicly. I appreciate you for not liking the take, but also being respectful and gracious in how you said that you didn't like the take. Yeah. I think sometimes, and we've seen it with people starting to leave the platform on YouTube. I think people think they need a hot take in order to have impact. Mm -hmm. We all don't have to agree, but when you are putting out great information, you know your stuff, you don't have to do that controversial bullshit to get an audience to follow you. So thank you for being here. I've been watching you for a long time. I'm honored to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. I I think that look at the end of the day. I mean, it's as simple as I just disagreed with what you said, and and I, but yeah. I understood your take. Like I understood yeah. why you would think that. We might get into that here in a, a few minutes, but yeah, I you know there, there's a certain brand of person on YouTube that that thrives on shock value, and uh, you know that's not a long term mindset. It's not. If I can, yeah, if I can jump into the first question really quick. Yeah, I did see your video where you said 
Citadel and BlackRock could be the only ones that could disrupt blockchain, uh, blockchain technology. Can you go more into that and tell us why you think that possibly could happen? Well, I mean, when it comes to BlackRock, BlackRock, Vanguard, and Citadel, uh, you know, those three hedge funds, I mean, they kind of run things. Of course, when you when you loop in Blackstone as well, uh, you know, which runs a lot of the real estate world, you know, a lot of people get things confused with BlackRock, but they're a little bit different. You know, these people, number one, you know, we've been doing some research into uh, media. And when you look at, I don't know if you guys know this, but like CNBC, which I think is part of Comcast, you know, that, that's Vanguard's fourth biggest holding. So when you start looking at the media and the narratives that they can control, you know, it, it's no... It, it's no coincidence right now that every day we're getting pounded with news story after news story after news story uh, when it comes to crypto. We expect this in bear markets. And I really like what you guys said about, you know, the peaks and the valleys. Like if you haven't been down at the valley, you know, what I tell people is, you know, uh, a lot of you guys have only merely adopted the bear market. I was born in it, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, that's when you really, you know, learn how to do things. And I think when you look at the, the constant cycles of the media and, and the narratives that they push, it's almost very predictable. And I think BlackRock has a, a lot to do with that. But when it really comes down to the heart of, uh, you know, what you were saying, you were basically saying you thought that a lot of the powerful structures, whether it's your JP Morgan's, you know, you know, they're involved with consensus, which not the conference, but the company yeah. that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, what happens on the Ethereum blockchain, you, you were posing it as, you know, they would have the control to kind of break it from the inside. And uh -huh. I, I just don't think that that's true. They're not going to break it from the inside. Here, here, there's a very kind of small difference between your thought and, and my viewpoint on it. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people in this space. I'm, I'm very well connected in crypto. You know, uh, people know me. I got big connections. And pretty much way this shakes down is they're not coming to the inside to break it. They're coming to the inside to control it. They don't want it to fail. They're so heavily invested mm -hmm. in Ethereum. Ethereum is the enterprise blockchain, and it always has yeah. been. If you actually go back and you look in 2019, 2018, I was very bearish on Ethereum at the time, which is ironic because now it's my number one holding, and we love Ethereum more than anything. I think it's eventually going to pass Bitcoin. I think it's inevitable. Uh, but when you go back to 2018, it was really struggling. You had all these other platforms uh, starting. You had Tron. You had EOS. Uh, yeah. You had Cardano, right? Cardano was very slow roadmap, but in 2017, it came out. And all of a sudden, you had all these uh, competitors to Ethereum. Well, Ethereum continued to blow everybody out of the water in the bear market because of the connections it was making in enterprise. You'll get JP Morgan doing their JPM coin on a private blockchain. Well, guess what? Yeah. That's on Ethereum. And so really, the, when it comes to money, and it, the institutions, you know, this goes back hundreds of years, you know, this doesn't start in, in 2020 or 2000 or 1900. A lot of the big controlling entities in the world, they've been so powerful, that, you know, the Black Rocks, you know, Black Rock didn't start last year, you know, yeah. uh, your Citadels, your Vanguards, um, you know, your, your backers of Larry Fink, it, you really start understanding this has been going on for a long time. They've been able to position themselves in business, and you know, I'm sure a lot of your viewers who you guys have talked about this before, like you have to understand BlackRock doesn't actually technically own anything. It's all investors' money. Well, they use that investors' money to get shares, to get votes, to control companies. So they control the corporate landscape with our money, which is quite interesting. Uh, and then you look at uh, you know, what goes on with these institutions, with the banking and the banking infrastructure and everything that they control. And what you start to understand is they control everything. They control, control the real estate market. If you look Absolutely. back at what happened in 2008, you know, who caused the crash? The institutions. Guess who got to go and buy up all the bankruptcies? The institutions, the same exact yep. people. So their model is not go in and break it. The model is go in horse. and control it. 
Exactly. Trojan horse, gotcha. but not, okay. but not to break it from the inside, to control it from the inside. I think gotcha. they understand that really, if you look at the derivatives market, it makes more sense that it runs on blockchain in the future. It's actually much more advantageous for them. If you look at something like XRP, much more advantageous for them sending money. There's a level of this that they want to succeed. Here is what they don't want to succeed. You, me. They don't want the average person to succeed. And that's really what they're working against. So it's more of a it's more of an element of control than breaking it. They have no motivation to break the Ethereum blockchain when I don't think they could, but even if they could, if you look at what happens with Bitcoin, for instance, Bitcoin is the most powerful crypto because the size of its network is so big that it's impossible for someone to do the most common attack in crypto, which calls a 51% attack. Someone would have to control 51% of the hash rate in Bitcoin. And the amount of money that it would take to do that would therefore break Bitcoin. And therefore, the 51% of it that they owned would be worth absolutely nothing. And nobody really has enough money in the world to you know, throw away $500 billion. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, I want to bring it to the surface for a lot of novice and people that okay. aren't, aren't familiar with crypto and might have just got into crypto. Yeah, that was um, in depth. <laughs> I, hey, I first started investing in crypto in 2017. So I was okay. part of that bull run. And I saw, you know, Bitcoin go from, you know, $4,000 all the way up to $20,000. And I also saw it fall down to $3,500. And, you know, just studying the space and actually, you know, going through that, I understand that it's, it's very volatile cryptocurrency. And this is kind of, this is like, what usually happens in cryptocurrency cycles. So can you just explain the volatility and the history of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin yeah. cycles for anybody that, you know, might have just gotten in and it's like, damn, like I'm losing all my money. This thing is going to zero. Yeah, that's that's a tough question because there's so much to it, really. Um, uh, so I'll say this. I, I got involved in Bitcoin in 2012 and I sold it all in 2013. So I didn't get rich from the early days. About $400 worth of Bitcoin, uh, which I think was like 37 Bitcoin at the time. And yeah. uh, I had some some money <laughs> left over. I was using it to buy a software, you know, I mean, seven uh, figures. Ben, now. ben, that's when we have a moment of silence. Yeah. OK, we've all <laughs> been there. <laughs> we've all been there, right? Yeah. So so I got involved very early. But what, what I failed to really connect with and why I went on to really create this channel is, is because I, I like to help people. In 2012, when I got in, there were not educational resources about Bitcoin. And and so now today, there's like one podcast, the Chris DeRose podcast. I, I can't remember what it was actually yeah. called back then. But now there's so many channels and people don't understand like the embarrassment of riches you have when it comes to learning about crypto today. That being said, Rome wasn't built in a day. You have to eat an elephant one bite at a time. All of those phrases apply here. So I can give you a quick overview, but it's extremely brief. And it takes a while to really wrap your head around all this stuff. It's not complicated. It just takes a while because there's a lot of working parts here. So really, basically, Bitcoin was created 2008. It was conceived in the Bitcoin white paper. 2009, the first Bitcoin was mined. Starting in 2009, Bitcoin has consistently worked on a four-year cycle um, and where you know peaks come every four years, valleys come every four years. And a lot of people say, why? Well, it's because of something called the Bitcoin halving. Yeah. This is where every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that's being mined gets literally cut in half. And if you think if you're a miner and you've been bringing in, let's say on average, you know, uh, 50 Bitcoin a year, or in the early days, it could have been thousands of Bitcoins uh, you know, per year. All of a sudden it gets cut in half. I mean, imagine if all of a sudden, and we're kind of going through this now, but what, what if every four years, the amount of gasoline or oil that came to America got cut in half? 
think about how much more valuable that would become over time. And then you have to think about the effects that would have on other businesses. Well, that's what we call the supply shock. When that happens every four years, the miners have to scramble and figure out how to, how to you know, keep their operations going. And it keeps everybody on their toes. So if you look, and to put that in layman's terms, the, the first, well, before I go to layman's terms, the first Bitcoin blocks, you receive 50 Bitcoin per block. We're all the way down now after three halvings to 6.25. The next halving mm. will be probably in April of 2024. So when you break all that down in layman's terms, right now, about 900 Bitcoin are being mined per day. In 2024, that's going to go down to 450. Then it's going to go down to 225, four years after that. And you'd see that compound effect. My favorite kind of nerdy number, like I, I'm not a nerd. I'm a normal guy. I like sports, coach my kids baseball team. Like I'm just a normal guy, not into tech really, stumbled into all this. But, you know, I do get a little nerdy on this number. There's 19 million Bitcoin in circulation. In the first 13 years of Bitcoin, we have mined 19 million. To get the final 2 million Bitcoin, it's going to take another 118 years. That's the compound effect of that having. Mm. The last Bitcoin cycle, 2136 to 2140, only one half of one Bitcoin will be mined in the entire four-year process. Think about how valuable that will be. So when you think about something that has a solid backing, we know, we've never seen an asset like this in history where we know exactly how much there is. We know exactly how much comes into the supply at a time. That's really why Bitcoin is digital gold. It was supposed to be an electronic currency. There's actually way better electronic currencies out there that are centralized or decentralized right now. Um, you know, when you look across the landscape, you've got privacy coins. Bitcoin's not even anonymous anymore. So what is really the, the valuation of gold? Well, or the valuation of Bitcoin, it's a better version of gold. And mm -hmm. the, the main value of Bitcoin is to hold it over time and it appreciates. I think that's really the simplest thing for people to understand. Bitcoin goes up over time. So if we're looking at it in the terms of having, if it happens every four years, right now, are we in that valley point where it's like, okay, it's settling and it's, Right, because most people are looking at it and saying they hear what oh this might be the crypto winter or this could yeah. be the crypto ice age when that 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 time frame between like 2012 to through 2017 where it was just kind of trading sideways so right now that having is why we're seeing the the fluctuation to go down because and eventually we'll, we'll see it peak up again of course yeah you hit the nail on the head here we predicted this because it's easy to predict because every four years has been virtually the same. Yeah. The one difference that we had in this last market was Bitcoin didn't get a parabolic blow off top at the, at the top. And that really threw a lot of people off. We were expecting a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin. We called for that it did yeah. not happen. We had some egg on our face on that. Learn not to be so resolute with our prices. But I, I think that ultimately when you look at the bear market, we're exactly where we should be. And I did several shows last year and I went on those shows with very smart people in crypto, including Michael Saylor, I did a talk with Michael Saylor one day, or I've had him on the show a few times. Oh, it's too mainstream now. There's too mm -hmm. much adoption. We won't see bear markets. And I said, something. I said, guys, guys, that's crazy. Like we're going to see it. The, the having in the cut of that supply shock, it causes the market to get overheated. So the four-year cycle, this is the way it works. You have the having event, which technically is every 210,000 blocks. It usually works out to... Uh, three years, 11 months. It's not exactly four years. Uh, so when that happens, with the having occurs, you get one and a half years of parabolic run-up. You have a one-year dramatic drop mm -hmm. and then one and a half years of a slow build. Right now, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. We are mm -hmm. right in the midst of the drop. We are targeting, based on history, 
the end of November after the midterm election. So far in both the last cycles, after the midterm elections, we got the last drop down. So we're right where we should be. The average drawdown of Bitcoin is 85%. Like I always yep. say, if you, can't deserve, if you can't love Bitcoin at its worst, you don't deserve it at its best. And I think that when it comes to Bitcoin right now, and we're targeting these dates, the end of November for the bottom, it, it bodes well for the future of Bitcoin because you look up, you know, we're, we're targeting probably December of 2024 for new all-time highs. So it's going to be a while, but this is great yeah. because if you're in crypto right now and you just got in, 70% of people got in in 2021, you missed it. You were getting mm. in at the wrong time. Absolutely. Now you've got that opportunity. Is, is it yeah. also consistent, just to follow up really quickly, is that having process consistent with other coins? So, so when we see Ethereum having that same time frame of about three to four years or three years and 11 months, is it consistent or, or is it different for, for some other coins? Well, so something, um, uh, you know, when it comes to the halving, Bitcoin is the only one that has a halving. Now, interestingly enough, on a side note here, um, well, I will say first, the entire market generally follows Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin's going up, things are going to go up. Yes. We, we, we usually get a price point where the altcoins go up a higher percentage than Bitcoin does because Bitcoin's market cap is so big, it's harder to move. Mm -hmm. But on the way down, the altcoins were generally draw down like 95 to 97%. Now, we don't have as many cycles for altcoins. We really only had one true altcoin season, which was in 2017. So we don't have as much data as we have the 13 years on Bitcoin. But what I will say is this. This is one reason why I'm so bullish on Ethereum is because Bitcoin has the halving and it's every four years. Ethereum is getting ready to do something called the merge, to merge. the move yes, from yes, E2.0. Yes. It's going to go from proof of work, which is mining, to proof of stake, which is not mining. It takes a lot less energy. And, uh, you know, some people say it's not quite as secure, but for Ethereum, the network's big enough to still be secure. It's actually going to go through what we call a triple halving, which is as it moves from proof of work to proof of stake, the inflation rate of Ethereum, because the inflation rate is about 4.3%. Every single year, unlike Bitcoin, Ethereum is not capped. It doesn't have a max. So it yeah. slowly grows over time. That inflation rate is going to drop from 4.3% to 0.4%. So basically every year, we're going to be getting 10 times less Ethereum than we were going to get before. Um, and so that's actually really bullish for Ethereum in the short term and the long term. Should be should be happening by the end of this year. We're actually targeting quarter one of next year for it because Ethereum's famous for delays. But it's basically like we're going to get the power punch of a Bitcoin having in Ethereum, and it's a one-time only event. So definitely something to watch out uh, for there. But generally, the answer to your question, all coins follow Bitcoin. Yeah, right. quick question for you. Um, I've been calling Bitcoin hit 20,000 since it was at like 55. Mm -hmm. If Michael Saylor gets margin called, what effects could it have on the broader market in terms of crypto and what kind of like contagion level event could we expect for those who are like retail investors in it? Well, the 85% the drawdown number is 10,300. And that's the dirty number that we've been saying and people don't like hearing that. Mm. And I, I, I made a tweet on Twitter. It's my favorite place to tweet on Twitter and make that joke. <laughs> but I, I made a tweet back in January and I got crucified for it. I said, if you don't think Bitcoin can go below 20K, then you must be new here. And people are like, what an idiot. Bottom is in. You know, price is definitely going up now when you got the YouTubers saying that. It's not so funny right now, is it? And At you know, all. People, No. And, and uh, you know, we have been – 22,000 is a very important number because that's where the 200-week moving average is. Right. And when you look over time, it's always hit the 200-week moving average. It has wicked down to the 300-week moving average before, which I don't quite know what that number is off the top of my head, but 22,000 
could be a potential for a bottom. But we targeted 24,500 would kind of be the first level. And now we pierced through that. Now we're looking at 22,000. After that, you go to the psychological level of 20,000. After that, strong support at 17,000. Yeah. And you have 14,000. 14, yeah. And then under 14, now you're going down to 10. And then after that, like all bets are off the table. So the, the answer to your question is, I'm not worried about Michael Saylor if the price gets to 21,000, which is his margin call point, because they're going to add more collateral. You know, they can add more to keep from actually getting liquidated there. They can add to their position. I'm much more worried about Michael Saylor if the price does drop down to 10,000. And when you look at what the attack that Citadel, I do believe some people are saying, oh, you know, it's not actually true. Citadel and BlackRock are the ones that moved against Doquan. They moved Thank against, you. absolutely. There's no question about it. Who else got that kind of money and power to do that? Um, so they went after Doquan. They went after Terra Luna. They went after UST. And I'm kind of afraid that right now we are start, we are going to see any vulnerability that exists out there in crypto. These people are going to be attacking. They're going to expose them. And the, and the truth is they need to be exposed because if you have a big vulnerability it's always going to eventually get exposed. So let's go ahead and do it now while we're in the bear market and get it over with instead of stopping a big bull run down the road. Um, but I, I think when you look at Michael Saylor, what I'm a little concerned about, and I like, I, I, like, I'll be honest, I know. I, so somebody said, I think that y'all are going to go after Michael Saylor at some, some point. I like him personally. I think he's genuine. I think he really does love Bitcoin. I have said before, he's newer. So there's been a little naiveness as not yeah. being through a full market cycle, which he's experiencing now. But I'm a little concerned that people with much bigger pockets than Michael Saylor are going to find whatever that number is that he can't add more to that position. Some people are calling for 7,000 or 3,500. Like these are numbers yeah. people throw out there. I don't think we go that low, but I'm, I'm more nervous about someone directly attacking that number to push it down to liquidate him. So I don't know what the number is that he couldn't bear anymore, but that's probably what they're going to yeah, target. Yeah, I did the calculation. The number is 9,856. That's so close to 10,300. It's like where they would knock him out. Yeah. I truly believe when I said it with Kathy in 2020, Anytime we have any superstar investors, it feels as if the top institutions wants to knock that person out of favor Absolutely. and they begin aggressively attacking their positions. Mm -hmm. I hate that he's just the next one that got caught up in that. Why do you think a lot of retail investors don't believe technicals don't matter in Bitcoin or crypto? Yeah, well, I, I think that it's just data, right? It's it's the, the length of data that we have. But when you really look at technicals, you look at charts, and I'll be honest with you, like I'm not a technicals driven person. I'm much more fundamentals. We have a great technical analyst here at Bitboy Crypto. We got 60 employees here. So we, we run we run really deep. We got experts in everything. Uh, but for me, like charts are just kind of boring to me, if I'm really honest with you. Um, I don't have the patience to sit down. I, I've done a lot of training before. I actually uh, leveraged trading. I turned 80,000 into a million last January. You know what nice. I did? I said, I'm done. <laughs> I said, I'm out. I'm going to take my what money and trade run. Bitcoin. Okay. That's yeah. amazing. That's well, amazing. It, it, so I have a bullish bias. Like, I, I just know that about, because really you can't be in this crypto space like I am and not have a bullish bias to see all the things behind the scenes that go on. You know yeah. where this is going down the road. And so when things are go short-term bad, you're like, I don't get it, you know? So for me, it was just perfect timing because in January, things were really going up and in February as well. And so my bullish bias kicked in and basically whenever... We had a dip. I was just going long and I, I was using irresponsible leverage. I was doing like 25X, but uh, you know, it was very irresponsible. No one else do this. No one else do this, you know. But no. the quantitative easing was still on the table. So it was exactly. in your favor. For, yeah, yeah. Great. And you guys hit that on the head. I heard what you guys said before I came on the show. You guys hit that on the head. You look at the quantitative easing chart compared to the tech stocks. It's the same chart. It's Absolutely. insane. That's where all the money went. So, but, but the, the truth is I am smart enough to know 
that the technicals do matter. It doesn't matter really how much data you have. Charts are charts. Charts are the psychology of human behavior. It is the decision-making of a person based on the last price action. It goes all the way back to Japan and, and, you know, Heikinashi candles and, and rice trading. It's human psychology. It's, it's not rocket science here, you know? And so people are generally going to behave certain ways. And, And you know how you know that's true? Everybody's depressed right now, <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. everybody's even those of us that have been through this and, and we're like, you're super OGs when it comes to going through these market cycles, like it doesn't feel good, you know, yeah. especially for people that got in crypto late. And like, I know, I'm sure that you guys feel responsibility to your audience. Like I do. Absolutely. And when you see how that your people are hurting and you know that like, okay, we know they're going to get through this if they stay here, but you know, a certain percentage of people are going to leave. And that's really, really sad. That proves the emotions that exist within a market cycle. And so the technicals do matter because the emotions matter because we all go through the same experiences. Let me, let me ask you this. XRP, mm. um, Ripple, uh, I, I watched a post on Instagram that you made where you said that they turned down a settlement mm. from the SEC and you was very, um, you know, you was very passionate That's about your delivery on yeah. that. So Shout out to the <laughs> Army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about, you know, a lot of yeah, the XRP army. Can you talk yeah. about that? What, what sure. does that actually mean? And, uh, and what's your thoughts on XRP? So it's very interesting. Um, basically last year towards the end of the year or no, not towards the end of the year, like right around the May crash, I got in touch with this guy who was, uh, we called him Mr. Mr. X on the channel. He's got to reach out to me, gave me a lot of good information. It all turned out to be true up to a certain point. He told me the market was definitely bouncing back the, in the middle of July. We literally got down to the last day of the middle of July, which was like the 20th. And sure enough, it did exactly what he said it was going to do. He told me about a lot of the China Bitcoin mining stuff before it happened. He told me they were moving to Kazakhstan. All of a sudden, all these stories start coming out. And so it was really, really good information for a time. He said 100K was in the cards by the end of the year. That didn't happen. He told me the XRP case was going to be settled by the end of September. And we talked about that a lot on my channel. And I got crucified because it didn't happen. And you guys know that when you make calls and things don't happen the way you think they do, especially if it's kind of based on information and it's not, yeah. you know, and we kind of got a little lazy towards the end of the year. Cause I started leaning too much on that information. Cause it seemed good instead of doing what we're good at, which is the analysis. But the, the point is, is it's very interesting. Jed McCaleb, who was formerly with ripple. He was one of the founders. Uh, he actually split with ripple right around the time of the token sale. And it was, he sold XRP at a huge settlement. No one has made more money on ripple than Jed McCaleb. I think it's about a billion dollars that he's made where Brad Garlinghouse and Chris Larson, I think uh, about 500 million was what was in the the SEC uh, lawsuit. So the point here is in September, he stopped selling for the first time. He didn't sell in September. He didn't sell in October. He didn't sell in November. He didn't sell in December. He starts selling again in January. And something is not making sense to me because I'm like, this case is supposed to be over. All of the new stops uh, right about the beginning of November all the new stuff, we got no news from the case from like November to February. Well, this weekend at Consensus, a uh, big conference, uh, I spoke directly uh, with uh, someone who I'm very close with that is um, someone I trust 100%, would not make this up. And I can't say where he got this information from because I, it would expose him a little bit, and that's why. But he told me straight up that last year, straight from the horse's mouth he heard this, that Ripple turned down a settlement. I think the information we had was good. I think this was going to end last year, 
-hmm. But it's really actually good for the market that it didn't because the, everything was so overheated. It probably would have been cut short. This may work out better for the price, actually, because I think it's going to the suppression of this bull run is going to make Ripple go to the moon, as we say, Crazy. in the next bull yeah. run. Yeah. But but the truth is, is that um, they have the SEC by the balls right now, you know, mm. and every single month it looks worse and worse and worse for the SEC. The right, and the reason they made that decision was because they said point blank. We have them, and we are going to outright win. So we have been pushing the idea of a settlement for a long time. I no longer believe that. I believe that the SEC is going to get totally defeated, and not only that, but after this case, I think we are going to see a major overhaul in what happens at the SEC um, because you've got to understand that towards the end of this year, if we look at our current economic situation and, and we look at these midterm elections coming up, you have to understand if we're in a recession – there's no way we don't get big changes in what's going on in Washington Absolutely. because that's what happens when the markets are down. And if that happens, I think we will see some, some people going directly after the SEC uh, and we will get changes to that organization. I, the, the SEC is the most corrupt organization in the history of the world. If they win that case, do you think it will shoot easily above three bucks? It, no, I don't. And, and the reason huh. is because right now it's at 30 cents, <laughs> you know, like if it was at a dollar, it was at 70 cents. I could see that. Um, I, I do think in the bull run, if, if it had happened when let's say it was around a, a dollar 30, I think it could have went straight to gotcha. 10, you know, okay. but now where the price is like, let's say it's at 30 cents and it ends. I see it probably going up to about a dollar 50 and then kind of stalling okay. out and slowly coming back and settling down. But, down. Yeah. But here's the important thing here. Here's a very important thing. It's hard for people to buy Ripple right now. They yeah. don't understand. Only people that understand crypto very well know the places to go to get it. So what you have to look at, you don't look at it like the, the final linchpin is the case. Once the case is over and now it's relisted on all these other exchanges and everyone can buy it again, that's where we're really going to see the power in the next bull run. If you look at 2017, Ripple was the coin. People invested yeah, $100 absolutely. and they became millionaires. Mm -hmm. That's how powerful that was. It was like was. the Doge of 2017. It was, absolutely. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is unlike Doge, it actually does stuff and the banks are adopting it. And Ripple yeah. has had a major overhaul in the last four years of, of how banks are required to use the XRP token in the future to interface with their platform. Because people really underestimate, like, you've been to the bank. I'm sure you've been to the bank. How, how archaic is it, is what the teller is doing? You're like, what are, what are you doing? Banks are the last to adopt technology. So yeah. a huge change in bank technology, it's needed, it's warranted, and it's coming. And people really underestimate the power of this user interface that they've created and the interconnectedness with every other bank. It's the interface and it's the infrastructure behind RippleNet that really makes it so powerful. The XRP token is the means to send value. And over time, it's going to grow in value based on, you know, investor sentiment, use case adoption. But it's actually doing something big that is going to totally change the, the SWIFT banking system. One, more, one last point on that, just so people understand. You may have heard the term SWIFT. You might even know what it is. The, I know you know it is, but the audience, you know, there might be people out there that, that don't know what it is. It's the way the banks send money. What you have to understand is there's a difference between Ripple and SWIFT. It's actually the same difference between SWIFT and Bitcoin, right? Which is XRP, RippleNet, it's a network of value. Mm -hmm. When you move money through RippleNet, you're literally moving the money. SWIFT is a value of information, which means that when you send stuff via SWIFT, 
you're not sending anything. All you're doing is pushing ones and zeros. And then people on the back end are having to go in and actually move the money physically, manually. I mean, imagine how much faster business is going to move around the world Absolutely. when it's actually sent in real time. And that's what we're going to see with Ripple in the future. We, we got a breaking news alert. Breaking news alert. Bitcoin has crossed under 22,000 as you were Boom. speaking, Ben. It is at 2170. You caused the crash. No, you I'm just joking. caused it. Hey, sorry, <laughs> guys. No. At least we got a lot of people watching. You know? Yeah, you, you said something interesting. You said you first see Ethereum passing Bitcoin. Yeah. And I'm assuming you, you're, you're referring to in terms of market cap. Absolutely. Which is pretty interesting if you look at the difference now. It's, as far as it being the hub for enterprise, there are some competitors. What are your thoughts on some of his competitors, Solana, ADA, Cardano? What are your thoughts on those actually catching up? And, you know, the thing about being first to, to market is that people are watching you make mistakes and they're pouncing on the mistakes by innovating new innovations so that they can be better than you. So what are your thoughts on their competitors? Okay, so uh, I, I do want to say first when it comes to this, it's very interesting. Uh, when you look at percentage-wise, Ethereum is much closer to Bitcoin than any other coin. I don't know where the stable coins are, but we throw stable coins are out. It is way closer to Bitcoin than any competitor is to Ethereum. Uh, it, it's not even close percentage-wise. Like Ethereum generally runs about 40 to 50% of, of Bitcoin's market cap, whereas the other coins, they're like 20% or 25% of Ethereum's. So we've seen all of these ETH killers is what we've called them over time. There's always a new ETH killer out there, you yeah. know? People really undervalue a first mover advantage. And, and it, it might sound kind of weird for me to say they're, they're, they're undervaluing a first mover advantage, but I also think Ethereum's going to pass Bitcoin. Well, it just boils down to what they do, right? Bitcoin's mm -hmm. digital gold. How many people want a hedgeable asset? How many people want a store of value? I Before the last couple of years, I never even heard that term. You know, I know there are people that invested in gold and things like that, but I think the amount of people that are going to be on the decentralized internet, the Web3 that's going to be driven by Ethereum is much yeah. higher than the amount of people that are going to want to invest in digital gold. I think it just makes sense. Like it's it's like comparing the amount of people that want to, to buy gold compared to the amount of people that use the internet. So I, I think the first mover advantage for Bitcoin is it will always be the number one store of value coin in crypto. It will always It'll be like be, a DAO for crypto. Yes. Yeah. And I think eventually 50 years down the road, you know, maybe it becomes a financial, uh, the world reserve currency. Maybe we have things backed by Bitcoin. That's a much longer, longer battle, but it's still going to be digital gold. That's really what it is. And so when you look at Ethereum and you look at all the things it can do, it's really incredible. It's got a huge first mover advantage. The size of the network is gigantic compared to everything else. The number of developers, the number of dApps that are on it, the number of DeFi projects, which don't have a great name these days, but the, the, the number of, um, you know, uh, of people building on top of it, it dwarfs every other chain. Now, when it comes to Solana, I'm out on Solana. Like I, I was big on Solana. I was in Solana. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on it two dollars i was actually in it before that i actually you tell us why why i'm out of, absolutely it yeah. is proven the infrastructure is faulty at this point and and when you absolutely. look at the vc money 
in Solana. It's like 70% of all the money that was handed out in the beginning of, of Solana was to VCs. It wasn't to individuals. Yeah. And I think that's going to bite it. I think that's why the price pumped. I think what happened is Sam Bankman-Fried, I, I, I never can make up my mind on what I think about this guy. There's one of those guys that like, I'm hot on him. I'm cold on him. I'm hot on him. I, I don't know what I think about it. He's hard to read, to be honest with you. I did like the way he talked to the Senate the other day. It was really good. He was like, uh, yeah, I think the crypto users know what they're doing. None of you guys know what you're doing. I think that was pretty good. But um, the, the point here is, I think what Sam Bankman-Fried and a lot of these VCs, Three Arrows Capital, Sequoia, Uh, All all they did is they pumped the price of Solana and then they pulled the money out. And now all of a sudden, magically, they all have all these $500 million crypto funds. Uh Guess where they got that from, you know? So I think is heavily, I think Solana is going to have a really hard time meeting a new all time high in the next cycle. We generally see coins that get extremely overheated that Uh outperform the rest of the market drastically. They have a hard time meeting a new all time high, the next bull run. And so I think it's going to struggle, but it's, it's been paused this year alone. The blockchain has been paused. That shouldn't even be a phrase that we say. It should, yeah, it shouldn't fucking happen. Ethereum's never been paused, right? It's yeah. been paused 11 times this year. You know, yeah. it's it's insane. Every time it, they have a little issue, and this is where people have to understand that with their consensus mechanism, everything's really cheap. Well, if everything's really cheap, then it's easy to attack, and they're finding out it out the hard way. So uh, I don't think Solana's going to make it. The, the ones, uh, let's see, obviously EOS and Tron, I'm out on. I think Tezos is underperforming. I like Cosmos. I think Cosmos Tendermint. I, I think they do a lot of positive things. We it's in our portfolio. We do we do uh, we we do love Cosmos, but it consistently underperforms. It's one of these consistent underperformers. Yeah. Elron, we really like Elron as a competitor, but uh, they had a kind of a big hack recently or a big problem on their network, so they proved they had some vulnerabilities. I still think they'll be okay. Uh, Avalanche has got a lot of potential. I like Avalanche. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like Avalanche. It's got to prove itself a little more. It's got to have more good things built on it, in my opinion. I was never hot on Terra Luna, by the way. We we were hot on Terra Luna as a coin to trade a couple of months in 2021. But, but not I've, to hold ever, yeah. No, no. I've not, Now, we had $80,000 in Luna, which was less than 1% of our portfolio. We, we held it down to zero with the people, you know, so I was happy to do that. <laughs> the badge Super of honor, silly. you know. What, what, yeah, what, about, what about Polly? What, What's up? On uh, so so here's actually th- this is where I want to get to where I actually think are the competitors, Cardano and Polkadot. Yep. These are the Thank two you. to me, Cardano and Polkadot. Polkadot has still got a lot to prove. It's kind of where Cardano was about I don't know not uh, eight months ago. Like it's just launching the pair chains. It's just going getting going. There's a lot of interoperability. That's the thing with blockchain is everything segregated. So when you move to uh, a, an interoperable system, there's a lot of value there. And I think I, I think no matter what. Polkadot is going to have a big spot in the space. But when it comes to the number one competitor, it's Cardano. I actually went down. The whole reason I went to Consensus this week was to go sit down with Charles Hoskinson, uh, the founder of Cardano. I had a, a one-on-one interview with him. I'm oh, like, that's God. amazing. Have yeah. you guys put it up on your page yet? It will be out uh, next weekend. It'll be out part one Saturday, we'll, part we'll two Sunday. Support it. Yeah, so we, we love Cardano. And I just think, Char- you know, I want to go back to what y'all talked to me at the very beginning of the show. Authenticity. Like, how authentic is someone? Charles. Charles Hoskinson is one of the most authentic people I've ever met. He literally does what he says. He believes in what he's building and he wants to use it for good. You know, I've been talking about it like on Twitter recently, like all the philanthropic stuff we do. Like, you know, we give away a a car to a single parent every single month. 
That, that's what we do with our returns. Charles Hoskinson, he's helping improve things in Africa to make them bankable, Absolutely. right? Like that's positive stuff. You look at what he does around the world. He, he, uh, there, he was doing something with drinking water. Uh, I can't remember what the country was to give the people drinking water through Cardano. Like it's really good stuff. And I think over time, people like that win. But here's the most important thing why I think Cardano is a, a great competitor of Ethereum. Number one, Charles Hoskinson was with Ethereum. He was one of the co-founders along with Vitalik yeah. and like seven other guys. Gavin Wood, who founded Polkadot, also one of yeah. the founders. No coincidence. Those are going to be the top two competitors, in my opinion. But when you, when you look at Charles Hoskinson with, with his mindset when he moved away from Ethereum, he, Ethereum did it backwards. Ethereum built it, and they said, okay, now let's try to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's okay. why... That's why the ETH merge is coming out. They've got to fix it because it's too slow and it's too congested and the gas fees are really high. And that gets fixed later, like three years down the road with sharding. With Cardano, they had a slow roadmap. So everybody was like, it's never going to get built. It's never going to get built. But guess what? Built it correctly. They built it correctly and it works. And, and they had, I love the fact that they had some congestion problems at the beginning. And I was critical of it because I didn't think they were going to have congestion problems the first couple of months. But they fixed it. It's worked itself out, and yeah. they have none of those problems. They said at first on Sunday Swap, which is the decentralized exchange on Cardano, that uh, I, there were some transactions the first week or two that was taking like six days. Okay. They take five seconds now. They yeah. they fixed it, and that to me is a beautiful thing. And uh, you know, Charles said that uh, you know they've achieved one of the things he says in the interview. He says they've achieved in nine months since the smart contract launch what took Ethereum three years to get to. It's really fast tracking. Now, ultimately, I do believe Ethereum stays number one unless this merge goes bad uh, or there's some. Ethereum has to uh, beat itself. Ethereum's number one competitor in my mind is actually itself. It has to mess something up to really open up for Cardano. But even if that doesn't happen, I do think Cardano's got a shot. Uh, but I always put Ethereum one and uh, Cardano 1A when it comes to yeah. future of smart contract platforms. Quick question for you. If we're looking at Ethereum and Ripple as maybe like the infrastructure for banking, mm. kind of like payment systems for online was in 99. Yeah. What do you think Cardano's place will be um, yeah. if they will, if they don't topple Ethereum? Because what I want to do for the audience is make the comparisons to what, what happened in the 90s with tech and correlate it to now. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, well, I, I can just tell you exactly what Charles said, like his exact wording uh, a couple of years ago. I had him on the show. Maybe actually, maybe it was early 2021. So maybe maybe like last February, something like that. Uh, he came on my show, and I said, you know, do you view Ethereum as your number one competitor? And he said, Google is my number one competitor. He he uh, sees Google hmm. as his competitor. Uh. They are really trying to build a network that touches everything. If you think about all Google does, like when we say Google, like what do we tend to think of? Search, right? Because that's, search, yeah. you know, because Google is synonymous with search. Like you don't even say search anymore. You say, let's Google this, right? But look at all the things it does. I mean, if I just go to, uh, if I just go to my uh, Gmail and I hover up at the top of the screen and I click all the apps, search, business, maps, mm-hmm. YouTube, play, Google store, news, Gmail, meet, chat yeah. contacts drive calendar translate photos duo shopping all of these things and then all the spreadsheet options and all, all the the other options that's that's Google what Docs, cardano yeah. is moving to cardano is moving to kind of be the one end all be all and i think they do have a, a, a decent shot to do it but it's a it's a hard road ahead all of this is happening whether it's ethereum or cardano all this is happening in the next 10 to 20 years uh, it's mm-hmm. a little slower than i think it's one of these things where i mean you know if you, if you start something new you you see someone and you're like 
I can get that good in a short amount of time or whatever it is like, Oh, you know, I I can pick up the skill. I can play poker, but the more that you play, the further away you actually find out that you are. That's kind of how it's been with blockchain. Like if you had asked me in 2017, I would have said five years, everything adoption, you know, but the more you're in it, the the slower you learn, everything takes. And um, you know, all this is happening. The entire internet will be decentralized. You know, web three is coming. You can't fight it. Uh, You know, you want to be in front of it. You don't want to be behind it. Yeah. I want to ask this and we don't have to be controversial, but I do want, as I know you'll give an honest take. Yeah. Do you, do you think Sam at Solana was the scapegoat? Well, not scapegoat. He was a catalyst to allow those projects on the VC side to get funding. So they became the market maker and then everyone else created funds after that so that they can have potential exits as well. Cause all the VCs that were like in love with crypto now, when I looked four or five years ago, maybe with the exception of Ben and Andreessen, mm-hmm. most of them fucking hated it. Yeah. Even with Morgan, like most of them hated Bitcoin. So do you think he was? Well, you, you look at kind of that world, you know, yeah. and, and you look at that world and you look at the influence and you look at the lobbying. And, you know, a lot of people know Sam is the number. He was the number two donor to Joe Biden's campaign. Yeah. And what, what does that mean? What does that really mean when you break it down? buying influence you know like that's what it is you know i mean you know we talked about on the show the other day you know elizabeth warren is all against corporations and like her top donors are amazon google and uh you know a lot of these people are bought but that's just how it is yeah. they stay bought and sam understands that and i can tell you right now like i'm actually we're, we're getting involved in politics we're actually getting involved we're actually going to be sponsoring three bills in three different states to knock down the gatekeeping of accredited investing we're like really excited about this Ooh, we'll that's tra- incredible yeah okay, we'll- t- tell us more why Financial inclusion, like that's what we're about. We hate uh, the accredited investing laws. So we're going to actually be, uh, we'll be getting uh, on the California docket here soon. We think by the end of August, uh, our first uh, bill is going to be passed there. And, uh, you know, hopefully this leads to the next state. Uh, the, the, we got two other states in line, uh, Colorado and Florida will be moving to next. And the idea is to make it to where anyone can be an accredited investor. It's ridiculous that you have to go to college and go in student debt to just like you were talking about earlier, the bubble, right? It's, yeah. We all know that student debt's a scam. To go into debt to invest, that doesn't make sense when all the same information is available on YouTube. So what we're going to be doing, this Financial Inclusion Act is going to be kicking down the doors on the state level. We have to get enough states on board to move it to the federal level to where all you have to do to become an accredited investor is pass an accredited investor literacy That's a great test. Idea. It's a yeah. free. It's free from the state. You pass it. And now you can invest in an IPO because how, how BS is it that all the elite, all the top people, and, and I'm an, I'm an accredited investor now. I actually yeah. like, I'm ashamed of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't like that. Well, I you hate, shouldn't be, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. I don't want to be branded with that. Like I didn't do anything special. I, I just have a lot of money and that's how I got it. That's not fair. Yeah. Just because I have a lot of money. That doesn't mean that like I'm smarter than somebody else on, 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 on a regular level. How do you uh-huh. think I got to where I'm at? Cause I made these investments. When you look at the normal person out there, they can't invest in an IPO. Yeah. That's BS. You know, that's really crazy. They can invest in, a, invest in an ICO security offering. But if you pass this test, you'll be able to. Now, this is a long fight. This isn't a, you know, a one-year fight. And yeah, we'll be able to, to change fight. this law. Yeah, this is a multi-year year fight. And, and we stand up for the regular person. That's We're the people's channel. You know, I feel like you guys are very similar. Like, we're here for the people. We want people to do well. We want to break down the gates. We want to kick down the doors. We want to make it easier for people to, to make money. And the traditional system, it favors the people that already have money. And that's not yeah. fair. I mean, the system was designed for that. So how do you help the people without making yourself a target? Uh, come at me. That's what I say. You know, come at me. 
I'm let not me, scared. I'm not, I'm not scared. I got my hand in a lot of, I, I got a lot of irons in the fire. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you keep your notes clean and you do things the right way you're, you're supposed to, and you make the right connections, I don't think you have a lot to worry about. I mean, look, we're just for the people, you know? And, and the fact is, is um, what I've learned, because I do know, I know a lot of things I probably shouldn't know. Absolutely, long, yeah. I know a lot of things I shouldn't know. And, and what I would say is this, there's a lot of stuff I can't even say. And the, the thing is, as long as you use publicly available information, there's nothing they can really do That's to come nice. after okay. you as publicly, publicly available information. So I know a lot, and it drives me to do what I do. But uh, it, at the end of the day, we're just using their own words against them. Let me ask you this. Um, Binance, which mm -hmm. is the biggest platform for crypto in the world, um, paused a Bitcoin withdrawals today for, I believe, three hours. So yeah. that's something that, you know, other platforms have done that. But Binance, like I said, is the biggest. So it's always concerning when, you know, actually, um, they said it wasn't directly related. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they said it wasn't directly related to the crash. But I mean, anybody with common sense that can kind of, yeah. you yeah. know, figure that out. So, you know, that's that's an issue. That's like going to the to the ATM machine and not mm -hmm. being able to, you know, take your cash out. And that's something that, you know, is concerning to a lot of people. So what's your thoughts on that? Um, and yeah, what would you say to anybody that has questions about that? Well, I'm much more concerned what happened with Celsius. I'll What's say that. So Celsius uh, was the biggest staking platform. And yesterday they paused withdrawals. And they basically said in an email to users that we don't have, pretty much we don't have the liquid funds to pay everybody right now, but we will. And we're going to pay everybody back. And uh, Celsius was a company I supported. I like Alex Mashinsky, a guy who, uh, you know, I think he's done a lot of good stuff in the space. That's a lot more money right now than a three-hour withdrawal on Binance. That's a much larger problem. We've seen this throughout the history of crypto, which is whenever there's high volume spikes, the volume doubled in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Whenever there's high volume spikes, they always go down. Mostly, mostly because of infrastructure, mostly because actually a lot of these exchanges like Coinbase, like Binance, they don't actually have the infrastructure to honor everything in real time. And so what happens is when there's a bank run or a crypto run in this case, they really just don't have all hands on deck to process everything. And so I, I wasn't really worried by what happened, but I will tell you um, what, what happened with Celsius. It has really remade, you know, made me rethink uh, a lot of uh, my messages to my audience because we said for a long time, it's okay to hold some money on exchanges that you need to trade. We hold money on exchanges. We actually have some custodial accounts with Gemini, Coinbase, yeah. you know, uh, which is a little higher level of custody. But at the end of the day, you know, the phrase we say is not your keys, not your crypto, not your keys, Absolutely. not your Bitcoin. If you don't have your private key, you don't own it. We've got, we've got, I think, three or $4 million locked up on Celsius right now. And we can't touch it. You know, Carl from the moon, I like to say a lot of these crypto YouTubers are way more rich than I am. I wish I was on their level. Uh, you know, he, he's going to say he's got 200 million locked up on there. And so wow. it's like, it's like, man, that's a lot of money to have locked up for me. Three or $4 million is a ton of money. I mean, uh, for your audience, they probably have five Ethereum on there and that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money relative to where you're at. And just understanding that like, there's a chance I never get that back. I think that I will. I think Celsius will honor everything. I think that I will, but that's not for sure. And that's not guaranteed. So you really have to learn what we call self-custody. And just really quickly, there's three levels of custody out there. You have the Robin Hood level of custody, which is the lowest level, level three custody. This is where you buy crypto assets, but you can't actually withdraw them. You don't actually own them if you cannot withdraw them. You have level two, which is like Coinbase or Binance you don't, or Celsius for that given uh, matter. You don't own them because they have the keys but you can send them off the platform to somewhere you can self-custody. So that's a higher level. And then you have self-custody, which is holding your own uh, wallet. 
I like the Coinbase wallet. I think it's a great wallet to tell people about. Um, when it, of course, I don't do anything sponsored. This isn't promotional or anything. This is what I tell people because it's ease of use. It is because the Coinbase app is different than the Coinbase wallet. I think a lot of yeah. people don't understand that. The Coinbase wallet, you own your private keys. So you actually custody it. It's called Coinbase, but Coinbase doesn't have access to your coins. In. Really, really quick, uh, breaking news. Uh, Bitcoin is at 21,000. Let's go. Oh, no. Yeah, so, so that level that we're talking about for, for yep. Mike. Keep, keep going, man. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have to see what happens, man. We have yeah. to see what, what he's going to do. I think that's going to be the big story tomorrow we'll be covering is what is Michael Saylor doing now that it's hit that. So, And, and look, it, the, the, the play may not be to break Michael Saylor. That may not be the play. The play may be to make him add collateral and look dumb. Like, that may be the play, too. So there's no guarantee it's going lower. But yeah. it, we're at a, a juxtaposition here of history, Okay. We're in a juxtaposition of an 85% traditional drawdown and also Bitcoin never going lower than its previous cycle top. So yeah. the previous cycle top was 20,000. One of these is going to get broken. Either it's not getting an 85% drawdown or either it is uh, you know, going to go below the, uh, the, the cycle top, the previous cycle top. So very interesting watching uh, you know, some history right now. And tomorrow or uh, Wednesday, we have the new basis points numbers there are whispers, oh, God, yeah. 75 to 100 yeah. points. If we get 100 points on the on the basis raise, we are looking at total capitulation across the board, I believe. You, one of the things that, that people you know fear in cryptocurrency is that they can't trust it. And so obviously we saw what happened with Terra Luna. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on stable coins? Because that was one of the things yeah. that we, you know, had we trusted it in 2017, we would have put our money in there and it would have been stored and everything would have been fine. It's just yeah. that we didn't have that level of trust. So what are your thoughts on stable coins? So stable coins are the biggest target of regulation. They don't want, uh, they do not want stable coins in the space uh, because when you do staking, like with Celsius, what you were doing there is you're earning return on something stable. It's like a guaranteed return. And the thing is that the government doesn't want to compete with treasury bonds, right? Treasury bonds right now are like 3%. It's insane. But if basically you're able to take risk averse investors and say you have a coin that's backed one-to-one -one by a dollar and you're able to make 6% on that, instead of 3% on a treasury bond or the normal one to one and a half percent, then what's the motivation to use the lower performing, you know, uh, asset there. That's what the government's scared of. That's what they don't want. So they are going heavily after stablecoin regulation. I think this is what we are going to see. Um, and I'll talk about algorithmic stablecoins in a second. I believe we are eventually going to see tether go away and USDC, Absolutely. the Coinbase dollar is going to become the federal digital dollar. That's what we're going to see. All Who's the cards are control over that. The government is going to be centralized. It's going to be a CBDC, a centralized bank digital currency. The Fed is going to be in charge of it. I think we're going to see the world reserve currency move from the U.S. dollar to the U.S. digital dollar. It's right on track for a change in the world reserve currency. Nobody's going to see this one coming. I think that's what we see. However, when it comes to the algorithmic stable coins like UST that was on Terra Luna, guys, algorithmic stable coins are dangerous. <laughs> like we Absolutely. haven't seen one work. Right. We we uh, uh, we worked with a few companies uh, in maybe 2020 or 2021 that did algorithmic stable coins. Um, we work with Benchmark. We like Benchmark. We thought they were good. Uh, we look at uh, Ampleforth, which was a project that uh, kind of blew up. Reserve rights has a, another algorithmic stable coin uh, attached to it. They were doing very well in the in the DeFi summer of 2020. But then something happened like they all just started going down dramatically and they kept going down. And nobody's really been able to figure out this algorithmic stablecoin. And so we've never suggested people use those. With UST, 
you were staking on this platform called Anchor through Terra Luna. You're making 18%. Like, guys, at this point, I think we're smart enough to realize 18% is insane. You're not going to make 18% returns on a stable coin. Yeah, and, and it's impossible. Yeah, It's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. I think anything above 6% is pro- 6 to 8% at the very, very, very most is not sustainable. We're even seeing with Celsius, maybe that's not sustainable either. You know, maybe 3 to 4% is, is more accurate. So, you know, algorithmic stable coins are based on the elasticity of a supply, the ability to print new tokens or uh, burn. That's what we call like getting rid of tokens. You burn them, you send them to an address where they can't be recovered. And it works with that elasticity to keep the asset, the, the algorithmic stablecoin, pegged to the value of another crypto asset. So UST pegged to Terra Luna, worked with the elasticity of the supply to make sure it stayed even. But what happened is, when a huge portion of the supply got sucked out overnight and, and got sold against their Bitcoin backings, it just went kaput. It's an experiment. It's something really dangerous. And we've said, especially since Terra Luna, stay away from algorithmic stable coins. One interesting thing I will say, Cardano is working on an algorithmic stable coin. It's called Dejed, D-J-E-D. And you guys will see on Saturday and Sunday of this week on my interview with Charles Hoskinson, what he says about it. It's built differently. It's still algorithmic, but basically the the long and the short of it is individual companies will be able to choose how they use it. It's not like a blanket stable coin the way we saw UST where it could be attacked against the currency. So nobody could attack Cardano and bring down DeJed and bring down Cardano because of the structure of Cardano compared to the structure of UST. So I'm going to be watching that one very closely, but I'm certainly not going to buy any. Okay. Um, I want to give you a little, little bit of pushback on the tech part and the government. Cause when you educate people, inform them, yep. lobbying, uh, I know you were tied into a scandal and I think that was to dirty your name. What do you do in those instances when you have like a ravenous supportive audience yep. like we have, but then something is thrown at you and everyone's like, well, it's a scam. He was involved in a yep. scam when you've been educating endlessly on crypto when no one else would how as a content creator and business person how do you offset that attack when you're saying hey come at me directly yeah well we just had uh we had cnbc come out here Uh, i had the new york times talk to me a couple weeks ago uh they talked about something i said in the uh in it was a logan paul story about ethereum max and kim kardashian they're talking about high level influencers and guys you shouldn't buy a crypto because a celebrity says it they don't know anything about crypto like that's first and foremost uh and you shouldn't really buy anything based on anything anybody says until you do your own research of course uh but you know i talked to new york times for an hour and they took like the worst quote of the whole thing, you know, and CNBC came here and interviewed me in person uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know if it's going to be a hit piece or not. They asked me a lot of interesting questions. Uh, a lot of people know I, I'm in recovery. I, I uh, uh, was a drug addict from time I was 17 to 24. I overdosed. I was in a coma, almost died, went into recovery, uh, you know, after I got out of the coma, two years of rehab. And I've been sober ever since. And I've been living my life great. Correct, CNBC. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's a big cornerstone of what I do. It's, it's, you know, the time when my life changed. CNBC dug up a bankruptcy I had from when I was 21 years old, right in the thick of all that. And they were like, let's talk about your personal finances. You, you filed for bankruptcy. And I was like, yeah, my life was a mess. We talked about that for like 30 minutes, you know? And so like, I'm not quite sure on what they're, how this little three minute segment on CNBC is going to go, but we're locked and loaded with a video. If they hit us, we're hitting them right back. And that's the only thing you can do is play offense in this space. And when it comes to things, this is what I will say. Early on in my career in, in the world of crypto, 
uh, we learned a lot of hard lessons, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's the important thing is we never made the same mistake twice. There was a project that we covered uh, in a sponsored, uh, in a sponsored context. And we looked at the project and it looked good. We looked at the smart contract. It was audited. Here is the way that these companies prey on people like me and other influencers immediately after my video was launched, they completely changed the smart contract that was audited. And so they put a new one in and then they were able to rug pull like two months later. And it wasn't the same project that we looked at. And what you have to understand when you go from 10,000 subscribers to 1.5 million in a span of 17 months, like I did, people are out there preying on you. They're out, your, they're out there trying to get in your ear. And so that's why we made the decision at the beginning of this year, we don't do any sponsored content at all. No one can ever pay to be on my channel. I don't care if it's Bitcoin. Bitcoin can't pay. They don't have anything. But, you know, if it's Ethereum, if it's Cardano, if it's Coke, if it's Pepsi, you cannot pay to be on my channel ever. You cannot pay to be on my Twitter timeline ever. We are too big and we have too much responsibility in the space to ever let any bias. And, of course, we say what we own. So we do have a portfolio. So yeah. some people can make the argument, but we always disclose. We're the only channel that I know that actually shows our portfolio. We showed it all throughout the bull market several times. Um, you know, once in the bear market. I'm, I'm scared to look at it right now. So I don't even want to show it right now. Yeah, I'm don't open it up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even opening it up. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you know, the thing is, is, is you learn over time, like, how, you know, we're trying to move from influence to impact. You know, that's that's what we're really trying to do on a bigger level. And when people come at you like, look, there's some truth to some things like there was true. We did cover that project. It did rug pull like I hated it. Like, but do you think I went into that saying, oh, this is a great idea. Let's screw our audience. Absolutely not. Like, I think long term, you guys think long term, you always try to make the best, most positive decisions. But we're not perfect. You have to learn over time what those best decisions are. And when you're in a whirlwind of growth and all of a sudden people throwing money at you left and right, you have to sort through what's real and what's not real. And so, you know, we're just happy we've gotten to a point where we don't ever have to worry about those situations again. And so if people pull stuff up about, uh, you know, kind of the, the earlier days in this channel, you know, it, now they've got to go two years back to find stuff. Yeah. In five years, they're going to have to go seven years back, you know, and and so I, I think you got to stay on offense. You can't get run over. You can't ignore stuff when it comes up. But here's what we always say, whether it's the CNBC interview I did or whether it's New York Times, the truth is on my side. If I'm true, if I'm authentic, if I'm real, if I'm transparent, real, yeah. if I say literally what happened, there's no downside. People can make up their decision, make up their minds. But if you watch my channel over a long term, you see I really genuinely care about people. And that's the message people receive. There you have it. So before we leave, if we can get, um, if you want to stay around for a couple minutes, we have towards the end, we uh, answer questions. Okay. Um, you want to stay around for? Yeah, a sure. Bit? I'll stick around. All right. Have a good time. Janet. Janet's got a plan. I do have one more. I want to squeeze them before we get to questions, and I'll stop my uh, obsessive question answering. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, you are a hell of a content creator. Uh, you're a little bit of Tim Dillon mixed with some satoshi can you talk to us about like maybe three steps to grow your content business yeah how often you publish and what were some of the biggest challenges you wish you knew you were going to face when you began man i tell you what uh get in the public eye i mean i was I, you know i feel like i was built for it you know like when i was in the fifth grade my mom had a parent teacher conference and my teacher said you know uh you, you've raised a circus clown you know, that's what she said. And like, she didn't know that like eventually YouTube would become a profession. And I was actually built for that, not uh -huh. for the circus. Circus closed down, I think, right? They can't have elephants. I don't know what they do anymore. But <laughs> the fact is, is that I, I was kind of built for this. Um, but it's hard, you know, especially being a person that is like, I like to stay on the offense. I don't really like to play defense. I don't like to ignore stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're constantly dealing with people making up lies about you, making up accusations about you, yeah. coming directly at your character that you've worked so hard, hard to, build, to build, yeah, it hurts. But over time, you learn how how to deal with that. If you don't have thick skin, you won't make it if you blow up. And I think understanding what you're getting into before you get into it, we see it all the time with people on TikTok to blow up. They'll blow up really quickly. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I don't want this smoke. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they step away and they back away or someone comes up with something from their past. All my past stuff is public. I talk about, you know, what a mess I was a lot before, you know, I, I, I turned my life around. And, and, and so that's one thing. Um, additionally, just when it comes to growing content. So we actually have a bigger company called Hit Network. Uh, that's actually what our building is here. And we help content creators. We actually work with a lot of crypto companies, a lot of crypto uh, channels in the space. A lot of people don't realize we're behind a lot of other popular channels. Uh, so we really have got this nailed in. We've got it dialed in uh, or nailed down on, on how to grow. Uh, guys, titles and thumbnails, if you're going to be on YouTube, those are two most important things. They're actually more important than your content. I've always Can said- tell, that- tell them why? I don't know because if you don't, if people aren't clicking your videos, they're not going to watch your videos, which is not going to lead to watch time, which is not going to lead to retention, which is not going to lead to getting in the YouTube algorithm. Your uh-huh. job as a content creator is to get people to watch. That's your first job. Once you figure out that formula, then you can work on tweaking things to get people to stay watching. But, you know, clickbait, people talk bad about clickbait. Guys, Clickbait's been around since the new newspaper was created. You know, nobody Absolutely. talks about, you know, uh, the headlines that you thought were cool that you'd put on a T-shirt when the Braves won the World Series, you know, and they'd put something on the like Braves win again. And it was on the T-shirt, you know, like people don't talk about that stuff. Like, obviously, headlines have sold forever and they continue to do that. Uh, but uh, the third most important thing I, I would tell people, consistency. I this is this is an experiment I, I love to do here, which which is this. So for the three of you guys, how what do you think the average, uh, the average amount of uh, or let me rephrase that, how long do you think it takes the average content creator on YouTube to reach a hundred thousand subscribers? Four years. Four years, okay. Uh, you guys high. on this? I'm so high. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little high. I'm gonna say like eight years. I say five years. I say five years. You're, you're answering in the wrong currency. <laughs> like that's, I love showing this example to people. There is no time comparison. It's videos. The average number mm. of videos it takes to get to 100,000 subscribers is 1,500. I hit 100,000 subscribers at about exactly 1,500 videos. Shit. I just published my 3,000th video this week. And I just, you know, we're at 1.45 million. Obviously, we, we haven't been growing lately. We've been adding as many subscribers every month as have been leaving because of crypto being down. So we've stayed very consistent. We're not, of course, when crypto starts going back up, you know, our numbers will go out of control again. Yeah. But for two years, I made two videos a day and nobody watched my channel. I just had a tweet about this. You go back to, to December of 2019. Mm-hmm. I still had videos that were not even getting two or 300 views on them. And I just kept grinding and I kept working because something really interesting happens along the way. As you make 1,500 videos, guess what happens? You become really good at making videos. Oh, yeah. You become an expert of what you're talking about. I wasn't an expert when I started talking about crypto. I was had no idea what I was talking about, to be honest with you. But being in it every single day and studying and learning and analyzing, that's how I became an expert. I'm very confident in saying I'm an expert in crypto. And I would not have dared said that when I was in the beginning and it's only because of the hard work that got me here. So, you know, people want the success overnight. And when it comes to investing, I like to tell people 
as well, like a good example of this from the first time I bought Bitcoin to when I became a millionaire, it took nine years. It was not overnight. It didn't happen overnight. My channel didn't blow up overnight. It happened gradually and then suddenly. And that's the way that you see it happen with a lot of content out there on YouTube. Thank you. I just want to chime in. How many times have Troy and Rashad told you guys that? Please put yes in chat if you've heard them say that lesson. I know sometimes you guys want to hear from other people, but the answer is the same. Consistency. Rashad, you can, and Troy, you guys can go on your swan song and, and wave, but it's really about being consistent, being authentic. But Troy and Rashad, can you chime in on that really quick before we go to uh, questions? Yeah, I mean, I get this a lot, you know, as far as what's the biggest uh, secret to, you know, content creation and growing a following. Like, you know, we have a million and one followers on Instagram um, and, you know, almost a million followers on YouTube and one of the top podcasts in the world. And I always say, two things for me is originality and consistency. Uh -huh. And those two things may seem easy, but they're not. They're extremely hard. And most people lack originality. Most people just follow trends and they copy whatever trending or whatever popular. Uh -huh. And that's what I was taught early on is look what everybody in your space is doing and do the com complete opposite uh -huh. and consistency. And the consistency is something that, you know, it takes a lot of work to be diligent and to do every the same things every single day. Um, and once again, that may sound easy, but it's not. And those two things, in my opinion, are the most important things with becoming popular online or, mm -hmm. you know, content creation or building a following is the consistency and the originality. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I want, yeah. I want to give you your flowers too, Ian, cause it's almost been like a confirmation night. You were the one that was said that Bitcoin would get to 20,000. And now, you know, hearing Ben talk about Cardano, I know it's like, Ah, finally, <laughs> somebody's been saying that. So I want to give you your flowers yeah. too. But yeah, what Shai's saying yeah. is a thousand percent correct. I would just add that that pursuitness of being great. Like we're always in constant pursuit of being great or having the next thing. Like we've never settled for, all right, that that accomplishment was great. Let's just rest on our, our morals here. No, it's like, all right, let's go bigger. Let's do the next thing. And we always show up. Like that's one of the things that there nobody will ever be able to take that away from us. And you've been around us long enough. And been in situations with us, and you're like, how y'all gonna how y'all gonna do this tomorrow? Or how are y'all even doing this today? I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just one of those things. It's like we know the responsibility that we have being in the seat that we're in. And we're not gonna, you know, we feel an obligation to make sure that our audience and our followers and our earners, our community is like, we need y'all to do this. And so we, you know, we don't take that lightly and we're humbled to be in the position, but we know what, what it means to be here. And so being consistent is what we're gonna stay, and we're willing to do things that most people aren't. Right, that's what separates us. We're in pursuit of greatness and we're willing to do things that people aren't. I just want to say this one last thing too. Um, I know you guys see me standing, I'm not gonna go crazy. <laughs> I want put you, it in the chat. Right. I want you guys to understand that people that actually can invest and or trade never argue or criticize because the tribe is so small. So that's why I said I knew when Ben made his comment and it was so graceful. Most people who attack are doing so for likes, viewership, trying to build a fan base. Two investors don't have to agree. But remember, even when he was talking earlier, I was like, okay, great, it's a Trojan horse strategy, which has been done. Take knowledge from everyone. But as you guys are looking at different videos and stuff like that, the people that are arguing the most and being like Stephen A on these investing shows, they have no capital, can't invest and can't fucking trade. Please be mindful. If he has been an amazing guest, please put fire emojis in chat. When you actually can invest, there is no room or need to argue. Only broke investors 
that want viewership and likes will do that. Please remember that on every network too, CNBC, the ones that are really good, Bonowin, Josh Brown, you don't see them dialogue back and forth. You are going to see the results. Please put fire emojis in chat if he's been a great guest. Yes. See what's No smoke. <laughs> I must say. Bitcoin hit 20,930. Yep. It's going down. I'm just refreshing. Going down. Um, Janet, can we get a couple questions in before we wrap? Sure. Glenda, we are coming to you. I'm yourself, please. Hi, this is Glenda. How you doing, hi, Glenda? How are you? Hi, hi. Hey, Thank Glenda. you. I'm so happy to know you guys. My brother told me about y'all in in uh, December, and I joined in January, and it's been over ever since. So, started in January, um, cleaned up my account, went from nine cents to four thousand, and it's been ticking up a little bit. I initiated my three-year-old son's account. Um, he has like half a share, quarter shares, but hey, he started. And then um, my 18-year-old daughter got her on and she purchased her first two shares of Apple and Square. And so now um, doing what Rashad says, like with getting your finances and stuff together, I did kind of start getting all over the place, right? And so I'm thinking, I've been looking at that Chris Muniz, um, um, the lives that come up. So just trying to figure out, I signed up for Thinkorswim, started looking at their trainings, so I'm thinking that I need to just make some money um, by through think or swim, like doing the simulations and then eventually building cash that way. So what I'm not sure is if I should start with day trading. No. Because um, I am a brand <laughs> a new beginner or option no. trading. No. Or, okay, I just need some help there. <laughs> what, what I want you to do first is either um, try and get a raise at your job or um, develop a business. I still want you to practice, but here's the truth about people that tell you to go trading first. The mm -hmm. bumps that you're going to make and mistakes you're going to make is going to break your spirit. I trade futures, which is one of the hardest markets to trade. Okay. If, if when you're in need of capital mm -hmm. and Ben can attest to this, it's like the market and God says, I'm going to make you lose every trade while you need this money. <laughs> That's true. Right? Yeah, okay. I, I agree 100% with that. It's not it's not where you want to start. It's the most dangerous no. place. This is for okay. people who have been in for a long time uh, because mm -hmm. it will break your spirit. And we see people that come into crypto. They start leverage trading in the beginning. They put their money in. They lose it one time, and then they're out. You don't want to be that person. Yep. Okay. Okay, great. I'm going to stay the course, stay, stay slow and steady, and just be patient with, the, with this process. So thank you. Thank, thank you, Aganda. Thank you. Marketplace, those who are patient. Absolutely. Janet, next question. All right, Michael, we're coming to you. Unmute yourself, please. Yo, peace and love. Y'all can hear me? Yes. Yeah, you sound yes. great. You sound like God. Hold on. I had Michael? a reverb on, on the mixer. Damn, why you on 16? <laughs> the hot one, though. <laughs> yeah, peace and love, though, man. I just want to say I really appreciate y'all, man. I uh, just recently became an earner and a Red Panda member. You know, Welcome so I've been soaking the, the knowledge up, you know. Um, but I had a, uh, a investing question, but I kind of want to switch to a crypto set uh, question since we got Ben on here, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, I just, I guess I want to know for someone who's like uh, new into crypto, uh, what are some ways that you would recommend to discern uh, the value of a currency? And um, I guess any websites or whatnot you would recommend for like evaluating? 
Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, you know, coinmarketcap.com is the place to do research at. Uh, you know, it's it's owned by Binance, so you got to keep that in mind. But it, it's a great place to go and start when you're really trying to understand the value of something. You have to break down all of the the parameters of what it's doing. And when you go to CoinMarketCap, you'll see a bunch of numbers. You will see the market cap. You will see the price. You will see the circulating supply. You will see if it has a max supply because that's important. Bitcoin has a max supply, which means the amount coming into the supply is fixed. It's permanent. Mm -hmm. it, it can't be inflated. You can't have inflation on it because there's not going to be more. Whereas Ethereum, there is no max supply. So understanding the difference between the coins that have that and the ones that don't are very important. And the one of the number one uh, uh, things that people, the beginners do is they get too focused on the price. And, and they look at a coin like Dogecoin, and they say, oh, it's at $0.09 cents or $0.07, cents, whatever it is. Man, if that got up to the price of Bitcoin, man, I'd really make a lot of money. Yeah. But you have to understand, there's a lot more coins in Dogecoin. It will never be worth that much. And, and what I like to tell people is this, whether you have your money in Bitcoin or you have your money in Ethereum or you have your money in Shiba, which we don't suggest, you know, that's just for an example, 100% gain is a still 100% gain. So I think really understanding those numbers is very important because a lot of, of, of newbies, they come into crypto and they, they try to find the lowest price coin and it doesn't necessarily have the value. When you go to CoinMarketCap, you can then go look at the website. It will have the website for that coin. You should get familiar with the people that work on that team. We have found that the team is the number one indicator of how well it's going to do. Like I said, if you look at what I think the top competitors are to Ethereum, it's two projects that are both founded by guys who also built Ethereum, which is the number one. So when you really start looking at those associations, you start looking at their advisors. But I think one thing you have to understand is in crypto, we haven't really established a baseline of what actually gives each crypto its value other than the speculation at this point. I think down the road, we are going to see a tie-in between the amount of users on a network, uh, the amount of projects that's interoperable with, the amount of decentralized, decentralized applications that are built on it. I think over time, that stuff will become more and more relevant. But we're finding even for Bitcoin, like the on-chain fundamentals, as we call, as we call it, they're not always 100% indicators of where the price is going. Really looking at the four-year cycle is a lot bigger of an indicator. So here's the takeaway from this. CoinMarketCap.com or CoinGecko, those are good spots to do research. And you can kind of go down a rabbit trail of other tools that they offer. Uh, and then from there, look at the supplies, look at the price, look at the market cap, look at the competitors, um, try to find, uh, there's a great place on CoinMarketCap where you can click like NFTs and you can see all the NFT projects. You can click DeFi, you can click DAOs and you can see all the all the different projects that fit those uh, niches. And, and, and one thing I would say is the last thing, one of our core philosophies here at Biblical Crypto is become an expert. And that doesn't mean know everything about crypto. It means pick one thing that you're interested in and try to become an expert in that thing. Become an expert in NFTs. Become an expert in staking. Become an expert in DeFi. Become an expert in mining. It can be Bitcoin mining. We just did a big, uh, I don't know, do you guys know that the number one Bitcoin mining state is Georgia? I don't know that. We have 34% of all Bitcoin mining is uh, in uh, in the Atlanta area. We visited CleanSpark this weekend for a video that was in. Uh, they, they're in College Park and in Norcross. They tour their facilities, unbelievable. But the point is, find something, become an expert in that, and you'll do very well over time in that because it really is such a big space. You can't tackle everything, but if you mm -hmm. focus on what you're interested in, you'll do well. Right on. I appreciate that. For real. Absolutely. Great question. Thanks, Michael. Jan, let's get one, maybe two more questions if we can. All right. I love this. This is awesome. 
I'm gonna go to Robert. Oh, he put his hand down. Um, sorry, Simone, I'm yourself, please. Fridge break. Fridge break. Fridge break. Five. Uh, four. Um, oh, she opened the No, she just closed the fridge. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think I pressed it in error, but I'm going to take this opportunity to ask a question. You mentioned. Um, there you go. Then you mentioned that she brought something about she was not a mm -hmm. good, something that you would suggest. Are you saying um, specifically Sheba or are you saying something else? Sheba is a piece of shit. I won't speak for that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, thank you, Simone, for the question. And, and what I, I will say is that, you know, people made, and here's where a lot of people get discredited. I don't know if anybody saw the interview I did with Pomp, like we, Anthony Pomp, we really went head to head with each other on some of this stuff. Um, because, you know, when you come out and you say, like, you can't make money with Sheba, you look like an idiot because people made a lot of money with Sheba in the last bull run. People made a lot of money with Dogecoin in the last bull run. A lot of beginners, that's how they came in. It got really popular on TikTok and they started learning about it and they threw money in it at the right time. So you don't want to discredit yourself and say you can't make money with it. The chances of them duplicating the run they just had is very, very small. And the reason is because they don't do anything. <laughs> you know, when you look at Ethereum, Ethereum is where the decentralized internet is being built. Cardano, trying to do the same thing. Polkadot, trying to do the same thing, but make blockchains interoperable. You look at XRP, what does XRP do? It does cross-border uh, payments and settlements and transactions that have never been done before. You look at XLM, it's kind of trying to mimic what XRP is doing. And I can go all the way down the list and I can tell you what every single coin in the top 50 does. Sheba doesn't do anything. Its entire purpose is to appreciate and value based on more people coming in and buying it. And over time, we've always seen things like that get weeded out. Dogecoin, which a lot of people look at similar as Shiba, it's actually a lot different than Shiba because Dogecoin is one of the OGs of crypto. It's been around for a long time. I think 2015, maybe 2014 was when it was created. It was a community coin. We'll actually see community coins, I think, get really popular in the future. I think it's several years away. But Dogecoin was a community coin. They had a big community that rose up around it, and they used to have fun events. They would have conferences. And then also the price of Dogecoin was so low that it actually played a role in the Bitcoin ecosystem because if you went to Binance and looked at the order books, more Bitcoin would be on the line for every single Dogecoin move than any other coin in existence because the price was so low. If it just moved a little bit, it would trigger a lot of orders. So Dogecoin actually does probably have some permanent space, uh, permanent place in the space, but it's not going to duplicate what it just did. And I think when it comes to Shiba, it's really dangerous because people talk about Shiba was the number one returning coin of this year. And certainly people made a lot of money with it. That's not a question, but almost all of those gains were made by the people that created it. And I think that's the important thing. you got to look at something that's trying to make the world better, not just trying to inflate dollars in your pocket, because that isn't a working strategy over time. Bitcoin, 20,775. Let's go. There you have it. Let's get one more. We have a, a, a lot of good questions tonight. Let's get one more question, Janet. Shout out to everybody that's asking questions. That you're okay. asking very good questions. No, we don't got a name. It's a lot of uh, Tyron, unmute yourself, please. A lot of pressure on the next question. <laughs> hey, I think I just, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. How are you? What's, what's your name, bro? Tyran, Tyran Perry. What's going on, Tyran? What's up, Tyran? 
Yeah, so I just want to start off by saying thank you for two reasons. Uh, so I did become an earner through the Ally giveaway. Uh-huh. So, oh. <laughs> shout, shout out to you. Yeah, you know, thank, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Ally. And That's also thank you for turning me into an, an executor versus just, you know, listening and learning. I actually start executing on the two text in, two index. Shout out to Ian. Proud of you, proud of you. Lastly, before my question, I just want to shout out White Plains and Greenberg, because oh, that's where I grew damn. up. Are you? Where you, <laughs> what? Where, you what? From, where you from? White Plains or I'm Greenberg? From, I'm, from White, I'm from White Plains, and I, I grew up in Greenberg as well. Um, okay. So you went to Woodland? Like, what school did you go No, to? I went to Highlands, uh, and then I, I live in Atlanta now, but gotcha. um, still got family up top, you know. Um, so I, I will be at InvestFest. I live in Atlanta. But my question is, uh, so I got two beautiful girls. Uh, one is three and one is 10, 11 months. Um, I didn't follow Ian's advice of not having kids before 30. But, <laughs> but, um, What's happened, brother? I am, I'm, hey, things happen. I'm, I'm 31. <laughs> I'll be 32 this year. Um, beautiful fiance. So we have, so I have, um, they have savings accounts. They have. Uh, 529s, we have 529s and uh, life insurance policies, whole life. And so my question is like the next move for the for the kids, would it be custodial, uh, like a custodial brokerage? Um, trying to kind of like, what's the next move that could I, like long-term that I could just set up so that when they're like, you know, 18, I could just, you know, pass it off to them. Yeah, I think you definitely want to open up a custodial account. I mean, the life insurance is obviously very important. Um, savings account, I wouldn't really necessarily recommend a savings account for a child because obviously we know that, you know, a savings account isn't going to grow over the course of time. So a savings account is good for an adult as far as for an emergency fund. But um, I don't think a child necessarily needs an emergency fund. So I would I would look at definitely opening a uh, custodial account, my account. I mean, you have a 529, so that's good for education, but you want to, you know, have money that might not necessarily be used for education because, you know, education is still a short period of time in a child's life, whether it's high school or college. Um, you know, it doesn't cover a variety of different things like starting a business or getting married or getting your first, you know, apartment or, you know, other stuff that is outside the realm of education. So, Definitely, I would recommend an Atma account um, as probably your next step, but you have done a lot so far to secure your family's future. So congratulations to you. Yeah, um, yeah. Kudo, I just recently got my Series 7 and Series 66. Oh, um, I work for a pretty big bank. I won't say the name, but yeah. So once I started studying that material and made what you guys were saying just resonate so much more. So uh, you guys changing the world, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to y'all. And shout out to my brother Fred Bowers too. He's from Greenberg. Uh yo, listen, Fred. listen, listen, Tyron, do me a favor from now on. All right. Can you do me this favor? Sure. Sure. When they ask you where you're from, just say Greenberg, okay? Yeah, we can leave the white say plains. Greenberg? We can, we can, That's uh, it, man. That I mean we can shout out to White. I live in shout White. Shout out to White Plains. Plains. It's a very nice, wealthy neighborhood, but it's a big difference between Greenberg and White. It is a big difference. <laughs> you can see the difference, I right? Know, <laughs> I know from back in the day, it was it was real. It was tension out there. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nah, man. I appreciate you, man. Um, best of luck, hey. and once again, congratulations. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, 
uh, welcome to the yeah, family. For yeah. sure. Amen. See y'all in Best Fest, man. Thank y'all. That's a fact. Shout, That's out a fact. Shout out to Janet, too. Janet is super responsive and she's amazing. She's great. Thank yeah. you. It was hard to find you because you're here as Zoom user. I'm like, where is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out, out to you. you to ask your question. Shout out to you yeah. and shout out to Ally, real quick. Ernest, Red Panda family, y'all already know. Uh, you know, if you want to have a great choice, if you're looking to lock in a bank or have an investment platform, I want y'all to try out Ally. Ally is a leading digital financial service company with passionate customer service, innovative financial solutions, and our relentlessly focus on doing it right for both customers and our communities. Get with Ally so that you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter most to you. For everything we need, we're all better off with an Ally. Shout out to them and our scholarship winner, Tyron. That was dope. Yeah, that was dope. That yeah. was actually a really dope way to end the show. Yeah. Um, Ben, I want to thank you for your time. Yes. Um, how can the people follow you, uh, your Instagram, your YouTube and all that? Yeah, you can find me anywhere. If you just search BitBoy Crypto, you'll find me. Uh, uh, be be careful of uh, impersonators. I, I think I have more yes. impersonators than anybody on the planet. If you follow me on Instagram <laughs> or you follow me on Twitter, you're going to get a lot of people following you that pretend to be me. I don't reach out to people on social media. Uh, I don't ever ask for people to invest with me. I don't need your money. I don't want your Same. money. I want you to have your money. So you guys be really careful out there with that. But you guys can find me. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm definitely going to uh, hit up InvestFest. I'd like to talk to you all. Maybe I can get up there and uh, do a little talk about crypto or something like that uh we love atlanta uh we, love we you know we represent 100 percent and uh glad to be part of anything going on in the city and uh you know to, to your audience i just like to say y'all are very lucky this is an incredible show and the the, uh, the advice the advice that you guys are getting on this show i didn't hear one single thing that i wouldn't tell you the exact same thing you're getting really good guidance here and uh you guys are doing a great job shepherding you uh, pre i appreciate that i definitely gotta get you Got to get your information. Sure. We'll, we'll love to yeah, have you at the yeah, Absolutely. And um, yeah, shout out to everybody that was watching the show before you before you leave. And I just wanted to, you know, give a, um, you know, public acknowledgement that uh, we had 11,000 people on oh. and we stayed consistently wow. going at 10,000. And that's a lot during the NBA finals. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we battle in the NBA finals and <laughs> kudos to everybody that watched because you chose yeah. your education over entertainment. And, um, you know, that says a lot. So to have 10,000, 11,000 people live on Proud Monday guys. night during the NBA finals is an extremely impressive feat. So yeah. Ben, thank you, brother. Um, I'll definitely One final question. I'm so, you know, I have to, I'm sorry. Can you give us your three favorite books on crypto and your three favorite podcasts to help everyone out if they've been inspired tonight to learn more about it? Yeah, three favorite books on crypto, uh, Bitcoin Billionaires. It's a really, really good book. It gives a narrative of how the Winklevoss twins became the first Bitcoin billionaires, but it gives you a lot of background and a lot of history. Uh, and then I would also have to go with The Internet of Money. This is Andreas Antonopoulos, one of the biggest yeah. OGs when it comes to crypto. You know, he does a lot, uh, you know, in the space. And then I got to shout out my book that's going to be coming out. You know, I'm going to have a book coming out uh, towards the end of the year, and it's going to be called Catching Up to Crypto. We, we want to do for crypto what some books have done for Bitcoin. We want to give you a, a complete overview of the space. You pick this book up, you read it, and after that, you're going to be caught up. You're going to be able to know where to go next and where to move. You're going to understand the history and understand where things are going. As far as podcasts go, uh, you know, you, you got to check out uh, the uh, BitBoy Crypto Podcast. Obviously, I think we are the number one crypto podcast. It's basically just our, uh, our morning show um, that, you know, we replay, strip the audio from. And then, uh, God, I cannot remember the name of the podcast. Trace Meyer Podcast is very good. Uh, Gary Leland does a very good podcast as well uh, on crypto. Uh, let me, if you'll give me one second, I have to pull up the podcast because I cannot remember the name of it. Um, it's the crypto podcast that has been the number one forever. And it is called, well, Bad Crypto is also a good one you guys can check out. 
Um, let's see if it comes up here. I can't find it. I don't know. There's another great crypto podcast, and I can't remember the name of it. And it's just one of those moments where it escaped me. But it happens when you do live out. TV. Yeah, it does. I appreciate you. It does, man. Ben, pleasure, brother. All right. Talk to you All guys right. later. Thank you for All having right. me. Thank, okay. you. Thank, Thank you. Take care. Shout out to Ben, man. That was very enjoyable conversation. Um, a lot of information and a lot of gems. Uh, very, very good guest. So appreciate his time. Thank you. Um, yeah, great show. Yeah, There's another yeah. one in the books. Another classic. Another classic. Like yeah, I said, one. during the NBA finals. Um, so, you know. We don't run. We don't run from it. We just embrace it. Yeah, yeah. We're here. We show up. Yeah, man. We show up. Mondays. Show Mondays. Up. One of those is, a, is a prime day. You know, it's like the college football yeah. final comes on Monday. Uh-huh. Uh, playoffs. Um, you know, it's it's, and then not only are we on Monday, but we on eight o'clock, which is prime time. Prime, prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Real. Eight real o'clock. Time. That's prime time. Yeah, man. That's a fact. We got some big things coming for for Market Mondays, and then. Next couple of weeks, so make sure y'all tune in next week. And next we week is that. a big one. Next week for sure. Don't miss. <laughs> next week's a big Don't one. Miss. Some big episodes coming. And then y'all. the week after that's a big one. Yeah. As well. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Market Mondays is going to go on a, on a legendary run. It's already on a legendary run, but yeah, it's definitely going to explode. We got we got some very very high profile guests. Um, some announcements. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to everybody that's that's tuned in. Uh, shout out to all the Gemini's. I got we got some birthdays this week, Val. What's going on? Your birthday is happy, coming up. Happy birthday. My sister in law, Alana, what's going on? Your birthday is coming up. So, we acknowledge you. And Sunday is Father's Day, y'all. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, yeah, y- y'all are doing amazing jobs. Y'all continue to inspire us as fathers. So, let's just let's just keep building, man. There's been a bad rap for so long. I think this generation, especially like the brothers you see here, Ian, obviously, Shadi, um, and all of my friends, really, just great fathers, man. So, Thank you for changing the narrative and let's continue to do our jobs out here. Shout out to my boy, Drew Bernard. He's having an event in Brooklyn on Sunday that we will be at a financial literacy event um, at King's Theater. So if you're in, if you're in BK, um, pull up on us. That's Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Yeah. Make sure we we have a clear understanding of what Juneteenth is and we're going to help do that this Friday. So make sure y'all tune in, tap in. Oh yes. Friday. Go ahead, Ian. No, no, go ahead. Friday. Um, once again, shout out to Frank Holland, friend of the show, friend of the program. Um, and I want to tell this story too, because this goes back to building relationships. So Frank was he put a he put a clip out on, on Instagram talking about um how black net worth was like, you know, all time low, something like that. And um, you know, he didn't he doesn't really have a large following on Instagram because he's more on TV. So it didn't really get a lot of traction, but I found the clip interesting. So what I did was I did, you know, you do like the split screen Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. I did the split screen. I didn't crop him out. Mm -hmm. I didn't act like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the one that related. He didn't take his content and act like he didn't make it. I don't think he even said anything. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't do that at all. Um, (laughs) But uh, I, I just, you know, I was there. And that went viral on our page because obviously we have a, you know, a big platform. So like a, a million views. And um, I think I hit him up and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a dope clip. I appreciate that. And he, from there, we developed a relationship, invited him on Market Mondays because I'm like, this, this would be good because the clip just went viral. So, you know, why don't you come on Market Mondays and talk? Came on Market Mondays, dope episode, gave a lot of great information. 
And, um, you know, we've just been in touch, gave him some couple of tips on social media. And a few weeks later, you know, he reached out and said that they wanted to do a story on CNBC about us. I never asked him to do a story on us. I didn't, I didn't campaign to be on CNBC. I felt like, you know, whenever we got on CNBC, it would just be the right time. And, it, and if it wasn't the right time, we just continue to work until it was the right time. I say that to say, you never know the power of relationships. It's always good to help because in, in some regards, I, I did help him help. You know, a lot of people were introduced to him through that. Um, and in return, we're going to be on CNBC. So seven o'clock, 7 a.m. on Friday, Squawk Box Hour. Check us out. And if you don't see it on 7 a.m. on Friday, check it out at 7 p.m. But I just like to tell that story because that's kind of been a story of EYL. That's everything that we really have has come through that. Like we know we don't push to do things. We don't, you know, we, when the time is right, the time is right. Everything is organic. And um, it's all through, you know, genuine relationships, helping people, giving people credit, saying thank you. You know, thank you is, a, is an extremely important part of business and part of life that so many people forget. This is this is probably more important than a business degree is the two words of thank you, because mm-hmm. so many times in life you do stuff for people and you never you never fully appreciate it. And you're not going to do something for somebody ever again. A lot of times if you don't get a thank you and it seems so easy to just give somebody some level of acknowledgement and to say thank you. But so often it doesn't happen. And I know firsthand it doesn't happen because it's, it's happened to us. But as Dame Dash once said, I was telling Dame Dash the story about something that happened. And he said, well, the best thing that you can do is learn from that and make sure that you never do that when you're in that space. And that's extremely important because, you know, we all have shortcomings. And even us, sometimes we didn't fully thank people. We didn't fully show gratitude. We haven't fully, you know, but the best thing that you can do when somebody doesn't thank you is to learn from that. And you'll be surprised. You will be surprised. That's that's one of the cheat codes. That's a major cheat code right there. You'll be surprised how far thank you can go. And you'll be surprised how far tagging somebody and saying thank you for making this happen in an Instagram post will go. And that's something that we always do. And that's something that not a lot of people in our space do. So yeah, that's my two minute rant. Uh, real quick. That was that was a pretty good. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> Yo, shout out to my my, my new Rochelle family. I'm having a full circle moment this week. Um, they have asked me to come back to speak at the graduation, which is pretty pretty surreal. I actually started. Incredible. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Yeah, I started with them they, when they were kindergartners, and um, obviously the pandemic happened, and so they never really get to see me leave, and we never really got to say our goodbye. So I'll be back there. Uh, this Wednesday to do like the commencement at the graduation, which is pretty incredible. So thank you, Jill. I think she's watching right now. She set that up. Um, it's going to be pretty, pretty dope. And then on Friday, my son gets to graduate from his school. So shout out to him. I know he's super excited. Amazing. Yeah. And thank him for the kicks to my son. I, appreciate <laughs> I know he was tired. We're a sneaker family, was, Ian. <laughs> hey, man. I'm, I'm bringing some fire back when Xander come back. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate yeah. it. And another thing, too, is that sometimes in life, Get that smoothie king. Come on, I'm standing up. Let's go. <laughs> sometimes in life, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's it's important to look at the broad range because sometimes we just get focused on our things. So it's like you could you could look at some things and it's like, damn, I got left out of this situation. But instead of looking at what you got left out of, look at what you was included in. Because Hold a lot on, of no no don't just stop right there, bro. Let that sit for a sec. 
No, that's a major key. Like I, that's, let, that's, that, 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 that's why I need you to stop. Let, <laughs> let it sit. Let, let it breathe. Yeah, yeah let, let it breathe. Space. Let the audience acknowledge what just was said. And that's also a major key. And um, like I said, it's just, you know, it's human nature, right? Sometimes we, we feel like, damn, like I wasn't included in this or I got left out of this. But instead of focusing or looking at what you were left out of, think about what you were included in. And I guarantee you what you were included in far out surpasses and far outweighs what you were quote unquote left out of. Mm -hmm. That's a major key because comparison is, is the, is a thief of joy. And sometimes we compare ourselves and we we're running races and we we're looking at what other people are doing and opportunities that other people have instead of looking at the opportunities that we have and instead of counting our own blessings. And I feel like that's a major key to not only your financial wealth, but to your, your mental health, mm -hmm. because you're going to go crazy and you're going to have a nervous breakdown if you keep looking at what you're not a part of, what you were left out of, as opposed to being grateful and showing gratitude, what you were included in and what you have. And I'll say this too. I'm not going to rant, even though I'm standing. This is for the theatrics, right? You guys can do what I did. Be so great at your craft that nobody can tell you that you're not the fucking best. A lot of y'all want to be seen and you're not great at anything. So going back to him not getting a certain amount of views. So y'all see it when I repost it. I post from 2012 that had two likes. Guess what? Didn't matter if anybody liked it. If you can actually invest in trade. Shout out to all my traders. Please put trade in the chat if you can trade. The ability to be able to print money out of thin air and not need any likes, comments, subscribers. Tune in next week for when we go on a magical forest. None of that matters. <laughs> Can you produce? I told you before, a lot of y'all like, man, I would have had 92 other shows. Focus on your craft. The truth is some of y'all were not popular in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, college. Nobody ever wanted you. So you want to be seen on social. There's no money. We talked about on Joe's podcast. I cal we calculated it's 15 black podcasts to make money internationally. Four, what was in his mafia? <laughs> a lot of y'all are copying my shit. I'm not going to get upset. I'm just going to go to Black Rock and Citadel and add to their conglomerate. Be so great. And you see Janet do it every week. Just be quiet, taking information, execute. Too many of y'all want to be seen. Go get money. Be so good at your... I know I don't know anything about crypto. 20,000 when it was at 66. Be great at your craft. Opinions matter not. Only net worth and how much money you can print out the market. That's it. No cursing. No smoothie king. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Be great. <laughs> the uh, Red Panda Rebellion has begun. <laughs> You've been. They've been put on notice. They've been put on notice. Can we get the play, red, can, play we get, games? Can, can we get oh. in, at Invest Fest this year? Last year, Derek Grace came with flags and uh, um. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm coming with the whole army. An yeah, escort. I was like, get an escort. He had, a, <laughs> he had an escort. You remember that? You remember that? I remember. Yeah, Marketing get, genius. Yeah, can we get the Red Panda Rebellion, like, fatigues? Uh, like, can we get, like... Something. Yeah. Bandanas. Yes. Show, show intro going to be crazy. I wanted to, I wanted to feel like No Limit, like, when y'all pull up. The Red Panda Rebellion. Uh, uh, game time. <laughs> be great at your... And even for those of you, like, oh, he arrogant. He doesn't... No, confidence comes from the work that you put in. It's not arrogance. Because if anybody else would have called that 20,000, so, and even with that, say if we're at a high and I say Bitcoin 20,000, you should be shorting to 20,000 and in another account, have your long-term positions going there. 
this is the hedge fund. Let me make you money. Y'all gonna be mad as hell when you see me walk off into the sunset and do these deals with BlackRock, Stake Street. Easiest two billion I'm ever get. It's almost over. The rebellion bye, bye, is bye. done. Bye bye bye. It's almost over. Um, yes. Shout out to Red Panda Rebellion. Um, Janet, always a pleasure. Thanks, Janet. Uh, appreciate Thanks for having you. me. <laughs> Study vegan tomorrow. Pinky, Pinky Cole. Mm. First Legendary. of all, because some some people some people have a different. <laughs> A different There's pinky. a generation that knows a different pinky. <laughs> yes. Is that what you're saying? There's a generation <laughs> yes. that might know. That, Big not funny. That was a great joke. <laughs> Los, Chad, yo, that was a good one. That was a good one. Boy, talking about getting clapped in the market. Boy, clapped in the market. Boy, Pinky uh, Cole, slutty vegan. Slutty vegan. Um, Sex yeah. and business. Tomorrow, food. super, super dope, motivational, inspirational episode. So check that out. And um, yeah, you see the momentum for InvestFest is building. Yeah. Everybody's asking to get on. Oh, uh, that, that, that wish list. Is, I'm, getting, I'm getting text right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sersky. Uh, we got room for Pyro? Another day, another play. Huh? We got room for Pyro at InvestFest? Oh, yeah, of course. We're going to have uh, Kanye, like when he came down floating. To- uh, I want to I have a crib. Smoke machine, smoke machine. The smoke mm-hmm. machine will be in effect. Boy, let's go. Let's I can't go. wait. I love y'all dearly. <laughs> oh man, thank you guys. We appreciate y'all. Um, have fun, watch, yeah. watch this replay. More importantly, because it was a lot of information and it's hard to catch all the information at one time. So watch this replay with a, with a notepad so you can take notes properly and um, be patient. It's gonna be bloody for a while. Um, but the patient always, what is the market always pays? The market pays those who are patient. patient. And everybody in Red Panda Rebellion who've been shorting the market. Listen, at InvestFest, I gave y'all the blueprint. You could have hit a thousand points, 800 points, nine, 10 times in the last two months. Is it not worth the time to practice? This had to be what Nas felt like before he dropped Illmatic. (laughs) (laughs) Boy. Yo, be good to each other, pray for each other, love each other, reach out to somebody. Uh, and shout out to, to everybody in the Bronx. We gotta get we gotta get it together. It, the Bronx is getting out of hand. So prayers up for everybody in the Bronx. Shout out to our brother, my son, who's doing something for Father's Day to stop the the, the senseless violence that is happening yeah. in our city. Shout out um, to we both yeah. we both was born in the Bronx. Yeah. And um taught in the Bronx. A lot of a lot of uh, concerning things that happened. We spoke to a principal today. Yep. Shout out to Principal Brown. Hold your head. Yep. Uh, one of his students was was uh, murdered. And um, yeah. yeah, this gang, this gang violence and just violence in general is something that, you know, we only kill each other. And um, it's at an alarming rate right now. So we really have to work on conflict resolution skills. We have to work on gun control, have to work on self-esteem. And, um, you know, having respect for one, for one another, because, um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of violence that's happening right now. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very disheartening. Yeah. Pray, pray for all cities. Not, not just, I mean, obviously New York, I mean, that's home, but Chicago, Houston, Miami, Atlanta, a lot, a lot of just senseless violence. So prayers up to everybody. Um, let's try to educate as many people as possible. That's always, like we said, that's life or death. And usually that's the root cause. The more we're educated, the more we can make better decisions, the more we can have more financial responsibility for ourselves and our family. So 
Prayers out for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who's doing well, no flashy shit this summer. Yeah. Wolves is out. Safety first. Yeah. All right, y'all. All your clothes from Target. You got <laughs> <laughs> Play if you want to. Right. Shout out to that Balenciaga right up off. Of him. <laughs> yeah. Bam, you heard that? Shout out to Bam. <laughs> Come, Come up off that. Come up off that. You think I don't know that? Invest in your security. Safety first. Safety. Safety first. Hey. All right. All we right. out, y'all. Be good. Good night, guys. Peace. Later. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.